You're a great mom. I don't know. I'm fine with Trevor. But with Phoebe, she really keeps me on the outside. That's normal. She's an awkward, nerdy kid. Maybe a new home can be an opportunity to start fresh. I just wish she'd get into some trouble. There's still time. Anyway. We're completely broke, and our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly keep the power on. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. You went with the station wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. What is happening here? Somehow, a town with no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. Maybe it's the apocalypse. Egon came out here for a reason. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Oh, my God. You guys hear that? Something's coming. The whole city took the walking dead. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live right here on Phantom Empire. Be sure to go give them a follow on all your socials, and you can see our socials right up there about somewhere. And uh, this guy right here next to me is a special guest. And this guy down here, I'm trying to point. No, I'm not pointing at your dookie. Stop that. This guy over here is uh, is also joining us all the way from Pennsylvania, joining us from Mississippi. We've got basically like a nationwide podcast talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife because it is just such a big discussion. It is a big return, a triumphant return of a franchise that has been around for decades and back to talk about them with us 
is a very good friend of ours. But before I say hello to any of these other people, got to say hello to a, a guy who really shouldn't even be here, and yet he's a trooper and muscling through it. My goodness, if you haven't been following Ben Hart with No E on social media, go take a look at the events that have transpired for him in the last 48 hours. It is like truly a miracle that you are here with us and all you've got is a bruise over your right eyebrow. Everybody, please say hello to the man who got in a huge car wreck and lived to tell the tale, Mr. Benjamin Hart. I think, uh, I think the truth is that I, I am a ghost now. I think, um, I think oh. it's out, um, that oh. should be this episode. Um, cause there's nearly no other explanation. If you, if you look at that picture, you go like, nah, nah, he dead. Um, but, uh, no, no, I thought I, I thought I noticed like a little hue coming off of your shoulders there. Where are your Jedi cloaks and where's your log to sit on? Man, I would love a oh man. Yeah, I need to have like a blue Stop light that. right above my head. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's been a week, guys. But I am so glad to be here. Uh, more glad to be here than I normally am, which is saying something. Um, and I can't wait to talk about this very exciting, uh, and very apt uh, movie that we're going to talk about tonight. I was about to say you almost became a ghost, and we're talking about ghosts tonight. Uh, to answer your question in the chat, Alex, there will be a spoiler-filled section. This podcast usually goes for about an hour and a half. If we tried to kill 90 minutes by doing a spoiler-free review, um, it would be a pretty damn boring episode. So we'll have a spoiler-free section for those who haven't seen it yet. We'll do that right off the top, and then we'll get into spoilers and give spoiler alerts and all that good stuff. Uh, joining us to continue this ghostly discussion, he was with us when we discussed some of the uh, Ghostbusters franchise previously here on the show and uh, he's kind of like our, our resident Ghostbusters expert, and I'm really excited to have him back. He's been a longtime financial supporter of the show. He's been a guest on several other episodes, and we're so excited to have him back. Please welcome Mr. Joey Mays. Hey, guys. I'm so happy to be here to talk about this movie, and thank you so much for having me back. You know, I have been a very longtime listener, and I, I think I I tuned in way back on episode 46 of your podcast, and that's where I feel like that's really where you guys found wow. uh, found your groove. So, who <laughs> we really put on hit episode 46? Oh man! Okay, honestly though, I felt called out. Like I really, really felt called out when when I was watching that scene. I was like, oh damn! I've got over 330 episodes of my podcast. <laughs> this uh this is not boding well for me i felt you, especially uh, called out when he said something along the lines of oh i talk about conspiracy theories and the occasional restaurant review i'm like what what is this this is ipc what are you talking about i swear it's like producers watch our show or something and just got the idea from us do you carry it around on a rainbow dash flash drive though that's the big question <laughs> I do not, but I do have like a terabyte hard drive with a business card taped over the top of it so that people don't mistake it for something else. So that'll do too. I'm I'm getting there. Uh, we do have one more person on the call with us this evening, and he's actually doing an in-person uh, appearance. We, we've tried to have him video in before, and it just didn't work. And since he only lives like 45 minutes away, and since Camp Cretaceous dropped this weekend... We had multiple reasons for he and I to hang out, and uh, he just happened to go see Ghostbusters with me when we went to go see it. So 
Uh, he he's he's with us for for multiple reasons, but uh, he's my good buddy Mondo, dude. It's been a minute since you've been podcasting at all. Welcome back. How does it feel to be on the headset but not be holding a video game controller? I don't know. It feels good. It feels cool. I feel official with the headgear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. You were talking before the show. is like, we should try to be like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and just be like talking about this movie like we're sports announcers. And Yeah, that would have been funny. Joey, uh, having been involved in his local high school athletics over the last couple of months, kind of uh, relates to how how awesome high school sports can be, but how draining it can be sometimes, too. Like, you put in all that effort, and then the season kind of comes to a rather abrupt finish sometimes, and you're like, well, hell, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with myself now. Yeah, I guess you, I probably- you guys have reached out a few times to uh, to have me on, and I'm like, middle of August to middle of November is a no-fly zone for me. A little yep. bit busy, and then Zach got involved over the last few years, and he dropped out on Friday nights. So, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying for sure. So, Ben, I'm glad you're here. Give me a fist bump. Oh, you're going to – what do you – there we oh, go. Oh, hip fist bump oh. here. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh. See, we're. Mm. You can't actually. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For those of you listening to the audio only function, you have no clue what just happened there. Uh, so also, <laughs> Joey, it's nice to meet you. I shake your hand. Um, but uh, no, doesn't. That, oh, there we go. There we okay. Yeah, that doesn't oh, look like oh, putting oh, your fingers yeah, in your Noah at all. Uh, so I actually have something funny. Um, you Joey, always have something funny. I, I know. Normally it's my face, but uh, this is different. Uh, Joey, uh, there was about a week and a half I accidentally Facebook stalked you uh, because <laughs> I thought you were somebody I went to high school with. Oh, well, I mean, unless you I, went to high school in Pennsylvania. Well, I didn't, and that's that was the first red flag, and I should have stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I went to high school – and I had marching band with a person that has your exact same name. And if oh, I'm wow. being honest, you have a very similar face. So I was like, that's got to be the guy. So I'm like going, I'm like, man, what's this dude went up to? And I didn't want to click add friend. Um, not because I don't think you're cool, but because like I, I'd find that weird. And like there was one time I accidentally almost like like on one of your pictures. <laughs> and, and, like, But it was a picture from like four years ago. So <laughs> the horror the absolute horror when you're scrolling back like years and years on someone else's facebook um for totally just normal reasons and uh you accidentally click like on something and it, so it's, it's bad every once in a while i'll find like if i see somebody on facebook that gets into like an ignorant conversation with me about something Uh-oh. i'll go on their profile and i'll flip through like two years worth of their picture let's put a random like on one photo <laughs> you know mondo honestly i i thought we already were friends on facebook to be to be truly honest with you just because of awesome. all the uh zach and ben and ipc and phantom empire stuff i kind of figured we were yeah i i too i've lost track of who i'm friends with and who i'm not it, it, it's hard sometimes like you grow up like in high school it's so easy you have two friends i mean it's, i only had two friends um you had two and this is one of them. you had two friends lucky the other oh. one this guy <laughs> friend friend number one friend number two <laughs> ambidextrous homeskillet <laughs> oh, god oh my god 
Now I remember why we don't podcast <laughs> with you very often. <laughs> okay. So, so I think we have a movie to talk we about. Do, I think. We, have, I think. we have a movie that we're supposed to talk about. And uh, per Alex's request, we're going to give very specific um, spoiler review alerts for whenever we actually do get into the spoilerific territory. But um, Joey, I kind of want to toss it to you first, being our resident Ghostbusters fan and uh you know having waited for so many years for this this type of film for this part of the franchise um how how do you feel like that went were were you satisfied with the outcome yeah so i actually yes i love the movie like i'll put that out there i absolutely adore the movie i was very happy with the way everything went i've seen it three times um first night i went um with uh a gentleman at least Ben's familiar with, my buddy Brent, who sees uh, oh, yeah. all the Star Wars movies, and he was on uh, Star Wars Underworld with me as his, uh, you know, a, a wedding gift to him. Um, Never forget that. But yes, he and I, you know, we've been friends our entire lives, and we went to see it on the Thursday preview showing. Uh, and I actually came out of that showing a little bit, um, I don't want to say like disappointed, just wasn't sure how I felt uh, that first, first showing. showing. Always weird. Think, yeah, it was. And I, honestly, I, I don't usually have different opinions after the first showing if i enjoy the first showing i'm always going to like it if i don't like it i you that usually doesn't change so i was very hesitant and very disappointed with how i felt not that i didn't like it i just i wasn't sure if i grasped everything i went back and saw it actually rented a theater to watch it with family and friends i got my my daughters and Brent um, nice. and his brother Brian actually his brother drove up from North Carolina to watch it with us because the three of us are the Ghostbuster guys like through That's and amazing. through uh, yeah it was an incredible experience there's 19 of us in the theater and it, it was an incredibly emotional experience that time because I was seeing it with family and friends and all of them were like pure joy like everyone loved it they were laughing they were clapping and they were crying and it, and that made me have a much different experience and i came away that second viewing absolutely loving it uh do i have nitpick sure but i feel like that's uh, the nature of the beast when it comes to pop culture but i think that first uh viewing i got caught up in the you know three decade wait and the build-up and the, the stops and goes along the way that I, I kind of wasn't like is this really happening am i sitting here watching what is essentially ghostbusters 3 um, but i'm glad that i got that out of the way and i'm really excited to talk about in depth with you guys uh everything about this movie that's awesome yeah i i think i posted maybe on my on my facebook page that you know i've i've openly admitted here on on this podcast and just among my friends circles that you know uh, ghostbusters probably isn't like up up there as among my favorite franchises um i definitely had some some very harsh critiques that joey and i butted heads on during previous episodes <laughs> um but this one, I think the best word that I, that I could use to describe it for me was satisfying. Like there, there were a lot of things that reminded me of the previous movies that still gave me a sense of modern day adventure. And to, to be able to blend those elements is something that a lot of franchises have tried to do recently, but only very few have succeeded. Like you take a look at the fast and the furious franchise didn't really care for Fast 9. They tried to do like some throwing it back in in that one and it just didn't go the way uh I thought it would and the way a lot of other people thought it would. Um Star Wars did pretty good with The Force Awakens and then things got 
a little bit more debatable after that. <laughs> um, but there's just there's not a whole lot of franchises that are really doing it the way Ghostbusters seem to have done it. So that was my initial impression. Um, ben, what what was yours? Yeah, so like <clears throat> I'm going into this as I would call myself a casual fan of Ghostbusters only within the last year since we talked about it on the show that I watched all the movies and I've right. never seen them before in my life. I haven't grown up with these franchises. And so like getting into it, I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to feel about it, but it, I, I liked all the trailers. It looked really good. I heard some great raving reviews um, from plenty of people that I trust. So like that was encouraging. Um, and I, I will say halfway through the movie, I was like, what are we doing here? I was a little, I was a little anxious to kind of get to it. I think, you know, maybe, maybe the first half is a little pacing wise is a little weird. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like, for me, I was just like, okay, what's, what are we doing? And then the second half hits and uh, yeah. And I heard, I heard about some certain stuff that happens towards the end of the movie and people were like, oh yeah, made me cry. But I'm like, Nah, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't have a really emotional connection. I don't have any nostalgia for this movie, so yeah. I'm not playing. And then uh, a, a, as if uh, on cue, when you get to that scene, um, uh, let me cue the uh, the the dramatic reenactment of of my reaction to that scene. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, I yeah. I, I I didn't have any glasses to rip off, but uh, I definitely, yeah, this guy this guy did. So so Mondo, there's a there's a comment here from one of our patrons in the chat. Jesse says, "I'm not rushing to the theater to see it, but I am looking forward to its home release. I love Ghostbusters." So uh, I want to ask you first, what were your impressions of the movie, and secondly, what would you say to Jesse to convince him it's worth seeing this movie in theaters? So I've always been a big Ghostbusters fan. I don't know why. You're a big fan of everything. I I am, but Ghost <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Sorry, this, couldn't help it. This rock star is delicious. Mm. Got to have got to have that energy when you're doing late night podcasting. 10 out of 10 stars. Mm. So for rock stars. Um, 10 out of 10 rock stars. Just like 10 out of 10 gold blooms for the Jurassic Park movies. Nice. <laughs> but I've always like I've always been I guess it's because kind of like how Jurassic Park deals with dinosaurs, right? Something that we know existed, but don't exist anymore. So you get to see something that that's probably the only way you'd get to see it. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters deals with the afterlife. And even though this was called afterlife, but they've all dealt with the afterlife. And it, it was something that you always hear about existing. You don't know if they exist or not. Um, so you get to see that, and they've always had kind of a comedic thing. Me being a comedian and knowing the origins of Ghostbusters mm -hmm. and who wrote the movies, who's in the movies, uh, just, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me to be a fan of it. So I, I, I even liked the previous one. I know a lot of people didn't. Ooh. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was, but uh, the, the, the point is, the, the going back to the thing, is I thought it was phenomenal. Um, and what was actually really cool, I went into the movie super excited. Uh, hadn't been this excited to sit in a movie theater in a while. Um, 
I'm I'm always excited to sit in the movie theater. Don't misunderstand me. But in this particular instance, I was really excited. I was like, this is Ghostbusters. This is my childhood. You know, I had I used to have the Ghostbusters um, fire station playset when I was a kid. You know, it had a little platform that the characters could go down. I remember the action figures that had the button on the back that their jaws would drop. Joey's pointing at something behind him there. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> That's amazing. So this guy, why does that not surprise me? So not surprised a bit there. That Joey. is mine. That is mine from the original run. That is not recently oh. purchased. That is a I'll never forget it. We bought it at a yard sale for three dollars. Um, oh, what a steal! And, and but this was back in the nineties that we bought this. Like this was this was when I lived in Illinois before I even moved to Texas. So sometimes I forget you're from Illinois. Uh, me too. Um, wow! <laughs> living proof that nothing good ever comes out of Illinois, especially the Bears. Son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> wow! It's it's a hard knock life when you're a Bears fan. Speaking of which, quick sidebar. Did anybody see Annie live last night? No, I didn't. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I I used to watch the original, uh, not the original original, but the old uh, 1982 film with Tim Curry and uh, Aileen Quinn and uh, what's what's her name? Um, um, why can't I think of her name? Carol Burnett. And... Oh, yeah. And they did like a like a Broadway live action version of Annie that they produced live on NBC last night, and I I gotta tell you my nostalgia just hit the hit the floor so hard. Like I have a question. Yeah, Annie was she okay? Okay, smooth criminal. <laughs> Little Annie, and are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Okay. Uh, I think if he and I started a podcast, it would just go on forever because of the sidebars that we do. I would listen the hell out of that. A little early for Crazy Train, I think. Uh, just a bit. But <laughs> that's a good song too. All that, all that to say, if you can find it on Peacock or something like that, it is totally worth the watch. The costumes were very reminiscent of the original movies. The performances were stellar, and all of the 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 little girls that were playing the orphans had some really sick dance moves. Like they straight up embarrassed me, and I wasn't even trying to dance. It was it was fantastic, great show. Awesome. It's got the Rock in it, right? He looks like the Rock, but it's not actually the Rock. It's Harry Connick Jr. Harry Ball, Connick Jr. Something yeah, I was, I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. I thought The Rock was advertised to be in there somewhere. Uh, he's going to be in Black Adam. We got our first look at Black Adam uh, in a magazine earlier today, I think. The Rock as Annie? That's that's what I would want to watch. <laughs> I don't even... I'm not even going there. I'm not even... Tomorrow, tomorrow. Oh. I'll pick up tomorrow. <laughs> Oh man! So okay, so going back to the alive. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so um, the the whole like leading up to it, Zach and I had some conversations about the film, and I could tell he was not looking forward at all to really coming to see the movie. 
Um, uh, Zach and, is why you're my least favorite. <laughs> and throughout the movie, I kept seeing what was that? That was for Joey. That was not for you. But did you just stick your tongue out at another grown man? <laughs> no, I made a face that involved my tongue sticking out. Sticking out, sticking out your tongue involves just using your tongue. It's just guys, focus. <laughs> <laughs> we need like an alarm. It's like okay, time's up. Okay, In two weeks. I'm gonna have to slap you upside your head. I'll be able to do it physically. We could connect some electric shock machines. Oh, I might like. That. I mean, yeah, don't don't do that. Let's not do that, please. Um, so, uh. Was, okay, so I kept looking over, and I kept seeing Zach get excited throughout the movie, and he was thoroughly enjoying the film. Um, and there was a little part of me that was like, yes. Um, and, and and he was, he enjoyed, the, and, and, and I did too. And, and that's why I was, because I was enjoying the film to death. Like, <laughs> get it to death after life. <laughs> Look what I accidentally did. Um, I totally didn't plan that. So... We were, you know, talking about that whole, or we're watching the movie, and the jokes, the pacing of the comedy was fantastic. I thought the jokes were smart. I want to make mention of one quick joke. Okay. It's not a spoiler. It's just, it's just, this is the, the, the heart and the tone that this movie has. And and this is this would be going back to my original question to you. This would be my my clincher for convincing somebody to go watch it in the theater. Yeah, Jesse, listen up, buddy. There is there is a scene in the movie where one of the characters is incarcerated, and they they go up to the the prison door and they say, "Don't I get a phone call?" And the officer gets right up in their face and is like, "Yes, you do. Who are you going to call?" Yeah, I lost it. Yeah, I freaking lost it. It's not a spoiler. It's just adorable. I loved seeing that. I loved like being next to him and watching him laugh at that. I loved hearing the sparse laughs coming from the theater. Like it was just so on the nose, a little cliche, but super entertaining. The entertainment factor on this movie is just through the roof. Yeah, but I will that, say the yeah. cast is great. Uh, the kids are phenomenal. Paul Rudd's phenomenal. Um, I, I don't. I won't want to spoil anything because there's other people in this movie too that are great too. Um, yeah, it's just it's 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 so much fun. But but you know that brings up my next point mm -hmm. about how the movie balances new age with nostalgia, mm -hmm. and it did a masterful job. And you know what? That guy, no, that guy, Ben. He had mentioned that the beginning of the movie was a little awkward. Like, the pacing felt a little weird. I would agree to that, except I would say I think it, I think what they did is why it felt so successful. Because they the way that they introduced the new characters, the way that they introduced the, the, the plot as it was happening... But the way that they were also kind of hinting at the nostalgia part of it, 
It didn't just come out and say, ha ha, this is what's going to happen. There were like little breadcrumbs that, that you, that as you watched it, you started clicking together like little Lego pieces. And then by the time you got to that second half of the movie, it's kind of like when you get to the second half of, half of putting the Lego kit together, you're like, well, hot damn, this does look like what I'm building, you know? And then, and then you're like, well, I'm doing it. I told you, mom, I can do it. Um, I don't even need adult supervision. Um, I think from my perspective, just just to say my piece on this, is like I'm coming at this of like I've seen all the movies fresh. I've, I've recently – they're kind of all in my head. I'm familiar with the mythology. I've done a lot of research on it, so I'm, I'm, I know everything. And I've also been watching trailers for this movie for it feels like two years. And yeah, I was yeah, like – so if you watch the trailers, you can kind of go like, oh, that's that person's relative, and there's that, and you can kind of put yeah. it all together. And this movie kind of like assumes that you don't know any of that, and you're kind of going in, and it kind of slowly builds. And I think it's great if you saw it in a vacuum, and you haven't seen any of the trailers, and you don't know what Ghostbusters is, I think you might – that something is not going to bother you. But it was – for me, it was like, I've already figured it out. Let's just get on with this, and you know, maybe an unfair criticism. Watching it in a vacuum, the real question is Bissell or Dirt Devil? Dyson. How long did you hang on to that <laughs> one? See, yeah. See, we got it. We got it. <laughs> um, you know, but but to kind of to that, you mentioned two years worth of trailers. And I think that might be something that you might be right about, but they may not have had the intention of showing two years worth of trailers. Oh, I think they no, definitely no, didn't. No, they did not. They, they well, did. obviously, the first trailer came out in December 2019, and everyone was super excited. And uh, the movie was supposed to come out in July 2020, and then it got bumped to March 2021, then June 2021, and then November 2021, and then a week later in November 2021. So there was this long term buildup. Uh, they ended up having a three, I guess two full trailers and then there was like a a teaser trailer like two or three weeks before the movie came out um which was a little bit more spoilery if there is anyone out there that hasn't seen the movie yet don't watch that third trailer there's there's stuff in there that i would have liked to have not seen going into the movie but i made that choice and i have to deal with it now but um yeah you know what man i've made that choice and i have to deal with it now i've said that so many times so many memories. Okay. Anyway, so Jesse, if I had to look you in the face, where's the camera? Look you in the face and give you. <laughs> I'm just laughing at Ben trying so hard to hold it together. If I had to look you in the eyes and to give you a reason as to why you should see this movie, you've already given one. You love Ghostbusters. To me, that's kind of a weird, kind of a weird thing to say. I'm waiting to watch it, but I love it. Go see it. Uh, the movie is funny. It's full of laughs. The It has some awesome action-y parts. Some really awesome action-y parts. Great action. And I feel like this is a film, I personally feel like this is a film that deserves to be seen on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Not all movies deserve to be on the big screen. This one does. This film, nestling in, nice and comfy, into a movie theater chair with your little tub of popcorn, your soda pop, soda pop. Uh, that was weird. Um, and full Beverly Hillbillies on that one. <laughs> I did. Um, you got your soda pop. 
get you a little popcorn and your shoulder pop and go watch that there dang feature film. But like that, and I feel like the excitement of seeing it in a movie theater with the surround sound, with the way, with the vibrations of your chair, with the rustling of people around you, um, I, I think that is the best way to experience this film. I honestly do. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, man. Here next week, two weeks, right? A couple weeks. Two weeks. Spider-Man comes out. Oh, no, and, I, and I know that's a completely different topic. But my point is this. In a couple weeks, people aren't going to be seeing Ghostbusters in the movie theater. They're, right. they're going to be that. Except for me, probably. Yeah, <laughs> probably Joey. But so if and and probably even now, like the movie, uh, I believe the movie's already made close to 120 million dollars. All right, mm-hmm. most of the people that were probably going to go see this film have already gone and seen it. I think people are now getting ready to go see Sing Two, Spider Man, uh, whatever else is coming out. I had Kanto, and Kanto, the the new Resident Evil film. You know, I I feel like. Especially if you're looking at, um, when you're looking at if 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 you want like some privacy, if you don't want to deal with a lot of people, there's not going to be a lot of people. I'll be shocked if there's a lot of people. Yeah, if you want like, <laughs> if you want like ultimate privacy to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife by yourself, just go opening night of Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> It'll be a ghost town. Like not good, even good luck finding a theater that'll be playing both in the same theater though. Cuz like my local theater is doing multiple theaters, multiple rooms doing a 6:30 showing. Cuz when I tried to get tickets, I had one seat layout and uh people were like picking up the tickets really fast and I got like timed out and I ended up in another theater also for 6:30. Wow. So there's like there's like multiple rooms showing it at the same time around here. That's just how... gonna be playing it on the outside wall of the theater and just Dude. selling tickets to everybody in the vicinity. I'm I'm telling you, you could do it for like a drive-in thing mm-hmm. completely, and people totally. pe- people would pay by the car load because mm-hmm. I I I believe I read an article saying that Spider-Man has already surpassed Infinity War and is catching up to Endgame as far as pre-sale tickets go. Yep. I heard it's only second to Endgame now, which yeah. is insane. But um, I, I, but you're right. But you know what though? Not to get too far off topic here, because we are talking about Ghostbusters. But I, I think this shows that people are ready to get back to the movie theater. Yeah, I think that you know. Um, and Jesse, I saw your comment. Do it, man. Go tomorrow. Yep, Jesse's in the comments right now saying, when you go say it like that, I might try and go tomorrow. Go, Jesse. Um, go, Jesse. Go, Jesse. Isn't that an 80s song? I have no idea. Probably. Okay. Um, either that or a 70s song. Um, but anyway, my, my point is this. Is people want to go to the movie theater. You know, I know that there were a lot of people that were originally like, oh, them putting stuff on right to TV or right to streaming services is going to kill the movie theater. No one's going to want to go back to the movie theater. And and yes, I I think when you looked at some of the movies early on, you can say that, but people weren't going to go line up at the movie theater to see Trolls World Tour. Okay, people weren't. I mean, Raya was was maybe one of those mixed ones where people could have gone to the movie theater and seen, um, but I, I feel like kind of given 
what it was, children, whatever, you know, a parent's going to be like, no, I'm not taking... Nah. Well, but that's the interesting thing about Ghostbusters Afterlife, to try and circle it back to our main topic of the evening. The The movie is really geared towards nostalgic adults. It, it is, and... And, and I think that that's kind of the, where I was going with that. And even Spider-Man, like people, my point is people want to get back to the movie theater. People wouldn't be going to buy tickets in droves to see this film. I, I sent you a screenshot, a couple of screenshots the day after we got our Spider-Man tickets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those were in different theaters. One of those was in the Irving theater. Mm-hmm. One of those was that grapevine people listening. They have no idea what we're talking about. That's okay. Um, but they're miles apart from each other. Dallas Fort Worth is a big Metro area and multiple AMCs were at 80, 90% capacity, mm-hmm. depending on what part of the Metroplex you were looking at. So, like, it's not just one particular city. It's not one particular pocket of the city. Everybody is getting tickets to this wherever they can find it. And that's really cool to see. Uh, right. to, to, to switch gears and, and get back to the, to the movie real quick. Uh, Joey, I want to ask you a little bit more about the private theater experience. Because I've been looking into that um, in my area. Sometimes it seems like it's a little pricey but i've always really been intrigued by the idea of getting to to see a movie like i tried to do this for my graduation party a few years ago when the last jedi came out i was looking at trying to rent out like a 50 seat theater and invite people to go see star wars as a as my graduation party um but i couldn't get enough you know reservations and you know enough people willing to like reimburse me for it and stuff um can you can you tell us a little bit more about what drove you to uh, get a private theater and just how how that experience compares to regular movie going experiences, particularly for a franchise like this that you love so much. Well, it was twofold. One, you don't have to deal with people you you don't know, so you don't have to worry right. about you know, them being rude. Like if you're there with someone you know, you'd be like, can you not be on your phone? Like, you, can you turn right. that off? That didn't happen, thankfully, because you're picking people you want to be at the theater with. But mm-hmm. you know, it just makes it easier uh, to talk to people that you know, that you handpick to be like, hey, I'd like you to come to this. Do you want to see this movie? Right. It's just going to be a small group of us. That was nice. Um, then, and, and the kind of related to that is, you know, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. We could be like, hey, you're already kind of in our bubble because you're family members or our best friends. We also know about your uh, your health and vaccination status so we, we can feel right. comfortable going to a theater and sitting relatively close to one another and not have too much to be worried about that was the main crux of getting the, the rental because when i was doing all this and planning all this um yeah i really wanted to take my daughters to see it uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're very young i was surprised they were, were interested but i showed them the second trailer over the summer and they turned to me and I was like, yeah, that, that movie's coming out in November. I'm really excited for it. And they're like, wait, is this – this is another one in the series. And I'm like, yeah, it's really the third one. They're like, whoa, there's two other ones? I was like, well, there's actually three other ones, but two directly related to this one. And they looked at me. They're like, well, can we watch them? I was like, I mean, yes, I would love that. But let me check with your mom first. <laughs> Joe yeah, internally going like, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, it was a big watershed moment. And then we proceeded in the next two nights to watch the original Ghostbusters from 1984 and then Ghostbusters 2. And cool. uh, each one of them mm-hmm. loved what, like, one was like, I like the first one, one was like, I like the second one. 
And I was like, well, it's a good thing that the third one's coming out directly related to both of those. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll have fun. And I asked them, I was like, do you want to go see it? And they said yes. I was like, okay, well, how do I do this safely? Um, and I figured theater rental was the best way to go. And that's what we ended up yeah. doing. And um, I could get up to 20 people for the price I was paying. And I ended up selling 19 of the 20 seats. So I just ate the cost of one of them. But, you know, it was a movie I've literally been waiting for for three decades, over three decades. And I was going to see with all my friends and family literally mm-hmm. the the kids and their families like my best friends and their families that grew up watching us be ghostbusters you know we mm-hmm. played ghostbusters so it was nice to have all of these same people in the, in the room to watch this movie that we've all been waiting for some of us more than others uh for since since 1989 you know it's uh so it was a fun experience it, it, you know if you can if you have people willing to pay a little bit more to have that kind of more private, intimate setting, I definitely say go for it. Look into it. Um, I, I we we went to I did the theater at our local IMAX theater. Now it wasn't in the IMAX theater. We had one of the side theaters, but mm-hmm. um, it was it was really it was really cool. It was really nice to to have that to have that setting, especially for a movie that was um, yeah I've been looking forward to for so long. It was very very important to me. It, it was a great experience and. Coincidentally enough, I told you guys this already. I went to see the movie on Wednesday for a third time myself, and I took my daughters back because they wanted to see it again. Oh, wow. They they enjoyed it so much, and I wanted to see it in IMAX. And I was like, "Hey, I can go to a matinee at the IMAX. That'd be great." So I went to the IMAX matinee with the two of them, and we were the only three in the theater, in the IMAX theater, just me and my daughters oh, watching wow. watching the movie. So. You know, I spent a lot more to rent a smaller theater, and then I spent twenty-seven dollars to rent the IMAX. Apparently, so. <laughs> so if if I may, uh, have have you shown your daughters the other Ghostbusters film? So they we so I've had that on when it's on like cable, like it's just on in the background with commercials and stuff. And and I if if it's on, I turn it on and watch. And they've been in the room and walked in and out. Um, but they were kind of distracted doing something else. I don't think they quite understood that it was Ghostbusters. Um, but I haven't started that from the beginning, you know, sat all the way through with them to show them. I didn't want to confuse them because it's it, it yeah, was a really that makes sense. it had yeah. nothing to do with that original timeline, that original universe, whatever you want to call it. So I didn't want to confuse them. I'm very excited to show that to them now, but that I th- clearly can tell them. You know, this one doesn't have anything to do with the, the those other three. You're going to see, you know, people pop up and and appear, but they're just they're playing different characters. It yeah. has nothing. They're 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 weird. six and eight. You know, so it's tough for them yeah. to wrap their head around exactly what's going on. I was like, I'll I'll deal with that after we get the third one. I want them to have like a pristine viewing experience and understand the progression one, two to three, and and everything and. I mean, they loved. It. They wanted to go see it again, so I, it definitely did its job. And I, you know, Mondo mentioned um, it, this movie was essentially meant for you know thirty, forty-year-old people that grew up with the original two. But clearly, there's evidence out there that they did a great job connecting with people older and people younger and people very young. Um, you know, I, I had another friend who brought his daughter along, and like they were sitting there laughing and giggling along, along the whole time. Like they found a lot of the jokes funny. They loved Phoebe and podcasts, and their favorite thing by far are the mini puffs. Like they think they're the greatest thing ever. Oh, and they also love Muncher. So like 
the ghost connected with with my daughters and all the other uh, younger kids that were in the theater with us. They absolutely love them. Well, it's interesting, and I, 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 I let me just go ahead and say right now, I think we'll probably be moving a little bit into spoilers now after this. So, if you yeah. if you're if you're if you're really set on like watching the movie spoiler free. Totally understand if you need to leave us now and uh, come back later. This show will be available um, later it's, in the day to it's come. It'll be on the Phantom Empire show reel. Ben's going to put it on all of the listening platforms after the fact. It'll be available on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Um, what, what's the other one we use? Castbox. My brother Cast- listens to it on an app yeah, called yeah, Castbox. Yeah. So there's plenty of places to have a listen to it after the fact. But I think we are probably in a good place to jump into a, a more spoilerific discussion. So and, uh, and I, wanted to, I kind of want to lead off with a, a question that I've had kind of tolling around in my mind and, mm-hmm. and kind of this idea of, and I'll throw it to you, Joey, first, because I, I, I am really very interested in everyone, everyone else, you get your turn, you get your turn guys. But I, Joey being the super fan here, I'm kind of getting interested in hearing your thoughts because Ghostbusters Afterlife really is a movie that is coming after kind of a long line of kind of new type of films, which is kind of this, soft reboot kind of bringing back an old franchise bringing back characters that we haven't seen in a long time all of the force awakens all of jurassic world mm-hmm. um this kind of renewing of a franchise kind of bringing it back and with ghostbusters Afterlife, i think they did a really good job and personally of like taking something old redoing it and doing it taking what's there and kind of taking it into the future and doing something really cool a la like you know the the, with the, the the whole sequence with the, uh, the Ecto one and all the upgrades it has the the gunner seat like all that stuff is just like ridiculously cool to me like that whole sequence is great I think like the upgrades of like the continued history of the Ghostbusters between these movies and going like okay stuff's been happening and you know all this stuff's happening but yet we're kind of seeing it old. But and there's obviously a lot of nostalgia in this movie. This movie is packed with nostalgia. It is, as you're saying, made for people that grew up with Ghostbusters. But I think it still does a good job of kind of reaching out. But Joey, what do you think in regards to like how it manages to kind of balance of like, okay, we're starting a new franchise, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I would assume it's going to be the start of something new. We're going to get more movies, maybe. I would love that. But it's also a sequel. It's dealing with a lot of nostalgia, bringing back characters, doing things, things. How do you think it balanced all of that? I, I thought it did a very good job. I, you know, I think they res- respected the, the past while bringing it into the future and setting things up. I know nothing is has been announced yet, but uh, there's a good opportunity there for them to do something, whether they, they dive into, okay, we're going to do a sequel movie, uh, or could we come up with a television show? There's all been rumors about it, you know, another animated show coming out. Uh, Sony's not going to create Ghost Cores, you know, you know, five, six years ago, whenever that was, a, a basically Ghostbusters production company and not and just do two movies, especially right. with how, by and large, this movie has been received by audiences. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. Um, critics are hot or cold on it, but box office wise, based on their budget and expectations, it's been doing much better than than they anticipated. So all that signals that we are most likely going to get more Ghostbusters, and obviously I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, in terms of how they they bridged the past and brought it to the future, I, I think they were very respectful and everything, and I think they pretty much nailed it in in every capacity. I know one of the, the things that 
I, I don't like to read reviews because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks if I like yeah. it. But I also un, under the you know I, I'm also a fan and I want everyone to to like it. That's why I that's why I hate Zach. You know, because um, he doesn't <laughs> like the original one. He gave it a six, I think. So it's just like. I can't. I, I just. I can't believe he's on this show with me right now. Um, give me but, own, just give me my own sitcom. All right. Everybody <laughs> hates that. Everybody hates that. Um, but it just the, the the reviews were mentioning that it was that it was too too nostalgic. It, it relied too heavily. It was all fan service, and I, and we talked that you know ad nauseum when we're talking about Star Wars. And, I was about to say. Excuse me, that's literally what the Force Awakens was, and people called well, it a triumphant return. Well, exactly, but th- that's my point. Is I don't think people understand fan service because there were there no, a couple don't. things in there <laughs> that I would classify as maybe fan service in terms of hey, we're gonna throw this Easter egg in and wink at the screen. You know, I actually think that what Zach mentioned he really liked was the who you gonna call part was actually one of the parts on my first viewing. I was like, oh, that feels shoehorned in. Like it didn't. That didn't sit well with me. <laughs> Um, on the first viewing, I was fine with it after. Like I, I knew it was coming, so it made it a little bit easier. But the one thing I can think of is you said we're in spoilers, right? I'm not doing the end yeah. thing. There's something else, but no, 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 so- no. But if 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 I, if I may, I think um, just just really quick, going back to to that particular line, I think I loved it a lot because I anticipated it. Like as soon as they were talking about, do I get a phone call? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You saw in my, in, my, right. in my head, I was already thinking, who are they going to call? Like, are they going to call his mom? And then as soon as, I was, as soon as I was thinking that, I was like, wait a second. Who are you going to call? And, like, as soon as that popped into my head, that's when the officer also said it. And I was like, ah! Uh, like, I write this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, you already knew that she had written down the phone number from the advertisement. You know, that was already right. in, the, in the back of her mind. Right. and. And if you watched the uh, the trailers, you knew at least that the second one that came out at the end of July, you knew that she eventually calls Ray's a cult and, and he answers the phone. So that's kind of where I knew they were going. So I could kind of see that uh, that play on words uh, coming about. But the, the one that jumped out to me as terms of what I would call maybe fan service is when she's digging through her. Yeah, you said spoilers. When she's digging through her grandfather's jumpsuit, she pulls yeah. out a. Uh, you know the crunch bar um that one's not too bad but i was just like okay you know i could see how some people consider that fan service and the same thing is when they get pulled over and they're looking in the glove compartment of the ecto and a twinkies in there you know that that that's the kind of stuff that i could see people being like the that's fan service okay i like i loved it so i guess it's probably it's, prop- it's exact like, it's literally the, right the exact same thing as that they do in force awakens when finn is like rummaging through a bag yeah. and he pulls out the and remote the, the and ball, just like yeah. tosses it aside yeah. like it's the right. same thing like, people love that. You know, and I was just going to say, you know what? I I agree with what Joey's saying with all of this. And I, and I think I've sent it to you. The day after we saw it, I started clicking on, I started going and reading some of the reviews. And places like IGN and places that I thought were reputable places were trashing the movie. And they were saying the movie wasn't fun. They were saying... It, like he said, relied too much on the past and didn't push the story forward. Not funny at all. Stale. And I'm, I thought to myself, what cut of the film did you see? <laughs> because everything you just mentioned is a lie. <laughs> 
Yeah, that that's why that's why the reviews kind of got hit me so hard. And I have you know I have a group chat with my my buddies Brian and Brent that I've known my entire life, and they are the, we're the Ghostbuster guys. And I you know I mentioned to them how like disappointed I was in the actual critics and the people who think they're critics, just like how they're just kind of disparaging, and I just I just don't understand it. Um, but they they mentioned the the nostalgia and the fan service. I'm just like, there's a difference. And the big difference is the nostalgia they're bringing back was a huge point of the story. Like the main part of the plot was tied to the original movie. It's not fan service if there's a reason for it to be there. If it's just shown in there just to get you know the wink and be like, hey, do you see that? We remember that. We put it in there for you. Like mm-hmm. that is no, you don't necessarily want that. But when it's tied to the story they're trying to tell to set up the future, essentially a bridge movie to bring it into current times, I don't see how you can be like that was strictly fan service. It was nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. It just it made too much sense. And the little like Mondo, you said the breadcrumbs along the way in in the, in the first first you know first half first two acts whatever whatever you want to call it, they set it up so well. Like they made so many great allusions to it. Uh, and if you hadn't seen the first movie, it still made sense because they were setting it up properly, doing such a, a good job. Um, but I don't, I don't know. That that's that's I, the I one really, thing that bothered me. I really have gotten to a point where I, I very much dislike the 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 idea that the phrase "fan service" is bad. That fan service is something that should be avoided. I think fan service can be good and it can be bad um there are plenty of examples i think your point about like as long as it has something to do with the story so like that i think that's great um i, I don't think it's necessarily bad just wink at the can't wink at the people i think the best kind of fan service is stuff that if you're a fan you catch it you catch the nest the, the crunch bar stuff i i'm not a huge fan so i was like i know there's some significance to this but i don't really get it because i don't remember that from the original movies so like i another person that's never seen ghostbusters would that would just fly under the radar they'd never see it i think that's the best kind of fan service stuff that is a wink at the fans but it's not necessarily drawing your attention it's not wink wink it's not oh hey look at this (laughs) you know it's about kind of subtly doing it and there's a lot of great fan service and guess what serving the fans ain't a bad thing sometimes giving them fans what they want not always a bad thing you know i think think this movie does great it is great yeah you know what though? You know a movie that had a hell of a lot of fan service in it, and uh, people, some people complained about it, but a lot of people loved it. Jurassic World. Yeah, the jeeps and the visitor center yeah. and the banner, the the flare uh, at the end where Claire's running around in high heels, bringing the T Rex back onto the scene to be part of the fight at the end, like. There's there's definitely a lot of and, and I will I will attest. I know it's very popular to hate Jurassic World. I will say I like that movie. I think it's pretty solid in a way. I think maybe Ghostbusters Afterlife does better at fan service and setting things up and going in an interesting place you don't necessarily seem see it going. And but also, you know, I think sometimes studios and filmmakers kind of kind of pull back and go like i don't want to be too fan servicey i want to pull back i think afterlife does a good job of like building up and then at the end gives you all the fan service gives people what they want what you've been waiting for for 30 years why not why wait you know it, it 
and, and the reason I brought up Jurassic World, and I told him this in the theater, I felt like this movie was to Ghostbusters as Jurassic World was to the Jurassic franchise. I think that's fair. Uh, it gives it a revival. It introduces new characters. There's a new generation, but there's still the potential for the older generation to show up, which is what we are going to get with Dominion. You know, we're going to have Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, all of them are coming back, but it's not going to be about them. It's just going to be including them. And I feel like that's very similar to what Afterlife ended up doing with this. There's there's a very critical point at the end of the film where you kind of need the uh, original cast to kind of help make everything right again. But 95% of this movie is about characters like Phoebe and and podcast and Trevor and uh, the the Paul Rudd's character I forget his name Professor Proton Gary Gruberson Gary Gruberson Gary his name is Gary Gruberson <laughs> I like Professor Proton but I've been watching too much Big Bang Theory so <clears throat> well, I'm right there with you but I'm glad you bring up the characters because that was one thing um, even even after the first first showing when I was just I was trying to figure out how I felt about the movie. I knew one thing for certain. I loved the music. The score was phenomenal. The, the nods oh, yeah. to uh, the originals was just fantastic. Uh, sound editing and mixing, uh, cinematography. Like I, I knew it. the movie looked and sounded amazing. And then the last thing that made it uh, so great was the new characters, the, the actors that they got for the new characters. Just phenomenal. McKenna Grace's Phoebe knocks it out of the park. She steals the show. Um, my my oldest daughter wants to be a scientist, so like I think that also is why she was so oh, tied wow. into this. Besides of besides the ghosts, the mini puffs, and Muncher, she was drawn to to Phoebe and McKenna Grace's portrayal of Phoebe. Just thought it was just fantastic all around. Um, actually, when she heard in the credits McKenna Grace's song, the Haunted House song, she listened to that on repeat for days after seeing the movie. Um, so she, yeah, she she thought Phoebe was amazing. I thought Phoebe was amazing. Uh, and same thing goes for Logan Kim's podcast. Like, man, talk about great comic relief. Like the humor that 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 he brought to that that character, uh, just just top notch. Really, really well done. I thought the writing and the dialogue for the characters was nearly perfect there's there's a couple little little things here and there mostly in the the scene where um uh the gatekeeper and keymaster the gatekeeper and keymaster come together is where i there was a couple times i was like i don't know that i like those lines um where they're talking in their terror dog voices and they're talking about the flower and their hair and she does she kind of has a carrie coons callie has a the Elsa moment where she goes into the Sigourney Weaver, Dana Barrett dress from the first movie. That was all kind of, that was the part where I was like, ah, I don't know that I would have gone that direction. I understand what that, they're trying to do and it didn't land for me. That moment, that moment I was kind of a little bit, I was like, okay, I'm not sure I feel about this because it is going, it's like right on the nose. Like this is like going back to force awakens comparisons it's like the force awakens like the trench run on the star killer base i'm like right. okay guys you're 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 you're, yeah. you're doing the comparison thing but they they very quickly divert from that like they do it they set it all up you go in the cave zool's there like it's it's interesting it's good for nostalgia but they they take a left turn and it goes out like mm-hmm. i appreciated that i'm like okay i can accept it if they're not going to turn like if they're not going to take the original ghostbusters climax just do it again that would have been eye rolly um, Carrie Coon as Callie, I, she played 
you know, this battered single mother to, to a T. Like, she was just phenomenal. I bought every second of, of the way she was portraying that character. Uh, she was very funny with, uh, with, with the children, um, you know, with Trevor and Evie uh, and, and with Gary. Uh, Wolfhard is a dick. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Um, but like, he, he's that. You know, that's kind of he, – he's maybe gotten a little bit of typecast there because I know a lot of people felt that he, especially in this movie, is very close to Stranger Things, uh, Stranger Things-esque. Uh, but, right. I, you know, I like the character. You know, I like Celeste O'Connor as, as Lucky. The, those are the two. They kind of got pushed to the side in the grander scheme of the story. It was really focused on on Phoebe and, and podcasts. But I still really enjoyed Tre- Trevor and, and Lucky and – you know, all four of them, you know, if they end up being the future of Ghostbusters, however that may be looked, I, I think uh, I think that's great because I thought all four of them were uh, were really well uh, written and performed. Yeah, I would I would contest that Trevor's first half of the movie probably started a little slow and tropey. But as soon as he got the Ecto one going, that's about the time that his character got going, too. Him going for that joyride kind of sparked his sense of imagination and adventure. And he was like, okay, I can make lemonade out of the lemons that we've been dealt here. And he started, you know, working on the car. He started going for joyrides. He started helping his sister while they were chasing down the ghosts. He started going on adventures with the people from the diner and went up to the to the mines you know, th- there there were things about his character in the first half of the movie that I was like, yeah, he's kind of a dick. But by the second half of the movie, he was more adventurous. He he was more open to things. He, I, I feel like out of anybody, he probably got the most character development over the course of the film because in in the first in the first act, he's very much like, ugh, there's nothing to do here. There's no bars. This is ridiculous. Like. He just goes walking around the property just trying to get cell signal. Whereas by the end of the movie, he's 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 a he's one of the key contributing factors to, you know, stopping Zool and saving the world. He's and figured I out think... how a capacitor works. <laughs> and I think there I mean there's definitely like an arc for the family. Like we're we're met with a family kind of on the line, they're being evicted, they're in a really bad place. They're kind of at each other's throats. They're kind of dicks to each other, um, and you know it's 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 a bad situation, and it's it's about a family kind of coming together and and realizing the truth of their heritage, which is cliche, but but it's it's great. It's as great as it sounds. You know, uh, when a lot of people review movies, TV shows, a lot of people talk about uh, the threat. A lot of people talk about the imminent. A danger, I guess that that there's there, right? Um, this movie had a lot of that. Ben just mentioned the 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 family, the main character of the family. They're broke. They just got evicted. They're they're living in this place out of necessity. They have nowhere to go. Like, who would choose to go live uh, in Oklahoma, especially after Kevin Durant left OKC? <laughs> like, like nobody would choose that. Um, Careful now. I think our friend Jesse sometimes lives in Oklahoma. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you're sorry you have to live there, or you're sorry for saying that? I'm sorry. Um, just, change the, just change the subject. Just keep going. <laughs> so, my, my, do you do you know 
why the state of Texas does not fall off into the Gulf of Mexico? Because Oklahoma sucks so hard. It does. So. <laughs> oh, oh. Ouch. Wow, Jesse, I'm going to apologize on their behalf right now. Oh, God. All the Oklahoma, like all our listenership in Oklahoma, just gone down this thing, you know. Let's do the stash, just go like everywhere else is fine. Oklahoma, we have nobody listening. <laughs> Ben's like, I've survived two car crashes this week. <laughs> oh, well, I think we just need to avoid talking about Lincoln Riley and we'll be okay. <laughs> oh, all right. So, but there's a lot of catastrophe happening in this film. Like you think, like the family gets evicted. They're, the kids are basically having to restart their lives um, in another place. Um, Phoebe's out of place because she's this brilliant kid, kind of stuck in this school program of that they're, they're watching Cujo. You know, like. Honestly, I love summer school that had Cujo. I had a Texas government class that showed me V for Vendetta. So, no, that's awesome. But, but you're like you're you're a smart fella, but you're not like borderline genius, like like Phoebe is. No offense, but I'm just okay. saying, Joey. Um, did you go to Penn State or are you just a fan? No, I went to Penn State. What was your degree I got in? My meteorology. Which is, I was about to point out that in one of my other favorite movies uh, takes place throughout uh, Oklahoma, so you got to be careful. Are you with the Talking about Twister. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he said meteorology. Cloudy with the chance to meet, like it all tracks. <laughs> plus, plus, that thing I was scarfing down was meatballs. It was meatballs. That was a meatball and marinara frozen dinner. Yep. Um, re- reason I ask is I'm just trying to get a straw poll of who in this group is two weeks away from getting a master's degree. I mean, well, I can not me. So yeah, it's definitely not me. Is this still your comeback for Mondo alluding to Phoebe being smarter than you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all all of that sidebar was just to shut him up. Yeah, at a moment where where the lamp turns and shows all the degrees on the wall in the basement where the spores, mold, and fungus are. That, yes, that was your uh, that was your uh, moment. I'm I'm going I'm going to dig a basement so that I can shine a light on my master's degree just for Mondo. My point is I don't come over to your house and see you messing with the electrical wires. In your house. You don't come over often enough. (laughs) You know how to turn on your lathe? I know how to turn on my PS4. Very scientific. Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten lathed in a while. Um, (laughs) It's the little spinny thing that you use to cut wood, isn't it? Like you, you put the little thing up to it and it like spins and... Oh. No, no, no. Getting lathed is when you go to a luau in Hawaii. Oh, well, no, I said lathed. That's yeah, what I said. In there. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah, there's plenty of tea in there. So Ghostbusters Afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a good point 
to pause and say hello to our patrons because Jesse's been listening all evening and hasn't gotten. He deserves his, it after that. His his warm welcome. Unfortunately, uh, my show notes are not easily accessible. Ben, would you mind uh, doing the honors of of giving the shout outs? Absolutely. So uh, obviously. Joey, who's on the show, what? and Jesse Bennett, um, who are at our uh, shout-out friend tier. We want to give them a shout-out, especially. Um, and, of course, for the rest of you, if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Get all sorts of goodies, behind-the-scenes influence on the show. You may even get to be on the show. Look um, at- <laughs> You never know. Um, and so, yeah. So, yeah, definitely go check that out. And, you know, it helps keep the show going. Like, literally. Like, we couldn't do it without our patrons. So that's very, very nice. So definitely go check it out. Um, also, a um, little advertisement from our good friends over at Question Slash Possible Answer. Great podcast. And they say, come join us at Question Slash Possible Answer as we discuss some of our favorite movies. With a twist, ignoring canon, every question is on the table unless the answer is given in the series. Uh, we also introduce our own fun theories, possibilities. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at question slash possible answer on Facebook and at question underscore possible underscore answer on Instagram. Uh, now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast services. Um, I've been on that show already. We talked about Solo, a Star Wars story, which was a fun episode go check that out that good little introductory episode um and uh yeah they're doing stuff all the time so that's great um yeah so go check us out on our patreon go check out question possible answer and yes back to the show yeah really quick before i forget though if you're gonna be on social media just make sure that you're also following the ipc podcast obviously facebook twitter instagram all that good stuff make sure you're following phantom empire now on instagram you're following uh, Phantom Empire over on uh, Facebook. They've got a Facebook group called the Phantom Empire Den that has a lot of really great uh, pop culture and sci-fi stuff that they talk about over there as well. And uh, yeah, the, there's there's plenty of different things to be following on social media. And we follow back. We don't bite back. So uh, go hit us up on some of those different pages as well. Um, okay. Um, favorite character we've kind of touched on like some of the characters some of the ones that we've mentioned but i don't know if we necessarily mentioned like a a particular favorite uh ben was there a character from this film that uh stood out to you more than others yeah um i feel like i i have to say podcast like he is we i I am podcast i am him if Mm -hmm. podcast existed when i was his age I would have been that kid, okay? Um, and yeah, he's he's man, he's the heart of the movie. Like he's got so many great lines. He's always carrying around a mic, which is basically my life now. Um, so uh, yeah, it's I, I love that kid. Um, I, I love to see more of him. Uh, that that's kind of like the thing that I take away from this movie is like all these kind of this this new team developing, and you see them and, and the and they're not they're not necessarily carbon copies of like I guess. Maybe podcast is the Venkman, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But like, I feel like they're not trying to riff on like, okay, this character is, this guy is, is Dan Aykroyd from the original. 
they're not trying to do that. They're, I think they're trying to kind of create their own characters. But I think I think podcast is like just a he's just a kooky little character, and he's so much fun. And he's he's a new addition to the franchise, new expansion. So I love him. Uh, Joey, what about you? Yeah, I feel like it, to me it has to be down to for myself podcast or, or Phoebe. I go back and forth because I love both aspects of them. Uh, Phoebe, just because of her dedication to science and her direct lineage to, to Egon and how much she looks and acts like Egon. It, it was just so well done. And McKenna Grace goes through those dry, witty lines so well, like the awkward jokes that she tries to tell and her initial interaction with uh, Paul Rudd's uh, Gary Gruberson uh, is just it's just so great. Uh, and how she gets emotional with her mom when she finds out that basically her mom didn't tell her that she is her grandfather essentially because she's just the spitting image of 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 the god she embodies everything that he stood for it's why she is the way that she is and her mom just kind of hid it from her and she just gets very emotional and upset about that and uh i i just i really appreciate the phoebe character uh but yeah ben said podcast that he's right up there too just great and I, I do, I, I want to touch on what Ben said about how they didn't quite go like this character is this character for the new group. And this character was this game. And they just kind of take bits and pieces here and there and, and throw them together or change something. Um, but podcast to me was despite the, the, the great humor, uh, he was the uh, very close to Ray stance to me. He's the guy who believes in the conspiracy theories and, uh, you see that little bonding moment at the end between podcast and and uh, Ray Stance, where you find out that Ray is his only subscriber to his podcast is Ray. Like I just I love that moment that when great. a podcast comes out of the out of the ecto after zapping all the mini pops and he's covered in marshmallow like the guys are at the end of the first movie, and he meets Ray and he's like, what I can't remember the mysteries of the unknown or un, whatever the name of his podcast is. He's like. That's you who really, really got, you know, really found its groove in episode 46. And uh, it's just a great moment. So podcasts or Phoebe, they're, they're, they're my favorite character for sure. All right. A challenge to our IPC listeners. If you can find episode 46 in our archives and you go back and listen to it and then talk about it in the Intergalactic Peace Hangout, our, our official IPC Hangout chat. I don't even remember what our topic was for episode 46. So if if you go back and you listen to episode 46 and you give your thoughts on whether or not we hit our stride in episode 46, um, you will get a very special shout out in next week's episode. And we may try and send you like some IPC related swag just because you're a loyal and dedicated listener. (coughs) Steven. Wait, am I included in that? Yeah, why not? I I don't I don't know. I honest to God don't remember what we talked about, you know, fifteen episodes ago, let alone three hundred episodes ago. I will before you get frustrated, I need to I need to figure out if that episode is actually public. Um, because I have been lazy and busy and I haven't uh, I haven't done a proper cleaning of our feed lately. So I need to share in our archives i don't even know if it's available like that's how that's how old this show is it's not on podbean so 
if it if it's if it's not on Podbean, you, you might not be able to find it on iTunes either. So um, maybe maybe just try and scroll back through all of our photos and like try and figure out yeah, what our there are other ways what our what our promo images were and what the discussion topic was. Jesse actually went and took a look, and he says in the chat it stops at one seventy seven. I just checked. It, well, I think he has the first five episodes too. It's like okay, there, okay, to so. Full disclosure, um, all of I would go to the the official uh, catalog of all episodes of FPC ever on my computer, but that's not currently on this computer. My only option, my only option, is to try to find the Google Doc of our notes. Oh, oh gosh, go. let's see. Okay, well, IPC I'll, number forty six. Forty-six. While you're while you're looking that up, I'm going to talk about uh, my favorite character and, and just kind of echo some of the stuff that Joey was talking about because Phoebe easily is the best character of of this film, in my opinion. The way that she carries herself and and the way that she starts out seeming like she might be a secondary character and then very much hits the ground running and and carries this this movie to the finish line is just super impressive on the part of McKenna Grace. It's super impressive on oh, the writing yeah. staff. Like, And also a credit to the uh, hair and makeup department because um, McKenna Grace, I don't know how many of you guys know this. I'm sure a few of you in the show uh, on this program with us know this, but she played a younger version of Carol Danvers in the Captain Marvel movie. I mm, I was right. looking at yep. her IMDb. I'm like, whoa, okay. She's like, she's been in some stuff. Like, she's, she has she's been. She was also in incredible career for someone so young. Also in Handmaid Handmaid's Tale and a couple of other movies that I'd heard of but hadn't seen before. And I'm sitting here going, damn, this girl's done more in 15 years than I've done in almost 30. So um, it's funny. Throughout the movie, I kept looking at her. I was like, I know this kid from somewhere. Where is it? Um. And I finally got home, and I looked at her IMDb page, and it was in Fuller House. Oh, wow. Oh. She had a role at Netflix's Fuller House, uh, where she was the little kid's little girlfriend. See, I, I never I never watched okay. that show. I, okay, so like, I, I have found I have found episode number 46. Oh. Show notes. I, okay. can give you, I can give you a hint. Can yeah, give, give, a hint. Us, give, us, give, us, give us some hints on what the discussion topic is. Maybe the only one that you get, Zach, but we'll see. Okay, oh, so right. this thing... Is one of the first roles that Finn Wolfhard ever had. Oh yeah, that was a pretty strange discussion, wasn't it? <laughs> you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm scooping what you're pooping. Oh man, I'm so sorry. Did I leave? Yeah, we'll that later. I don't think anybody else is going to get it, so I'm just going to say it. Um, it's the hundred TV series. Oh, I just found that too. Season two. Okay. Wait. Then Wolfhard was in the 100? Yeah. What did you think I was thinking about? Wait, what role does he play? Is he one of the 100 kids that gets sent down? No, he's the kid in the desert. You know, Jaha ends up in the desert, and then he gets helped out by a kid. That's I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Go watch the 100. Go watch that one episode with with the kid in the desert. He's a okay. deformed kid. He, like, he doesn't look like himself. But he I haven't him. seen the last season, but as far as tonal shift and character development, from start to finish, the 100 
has like some of the best storytelling of any network TV show that I've ever seen. Yeah, and this was back in I would have to actually look it up. 2013ish. Um, it's from um, it's called Zoran from Many Happy Returns and it was this is pre Stranger Things. This is way back. Wow. Um, so yeah, go check that out if you, if you want to see a really, yeah, really so, young and our, not. So our podcast started in 2014, and we're for 46 episodes in. That means it was probably sometime in 2015 that we discussed that episode. Uh, yeah. November 12th, 2014 is when the episode aired. Oh, November oh, late 12th. 2014. Okay, late 2014. Wow. God. Do you do you know what I was doing late November 2014? I was getting ready to graduate community college. I was watching the show Community. So was I. <laughs> I was living it, bitches. I lived with a community. How was Chevy Chase? I drank community coffee. <laughs> oh dear God. I went I was oh, I, I was Catholic, so I still took communion tea. My my church's name was Grace Community Church. Wow. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> back, <laughs> back to back to afterlife, not back to the future, back to afterlife. Um it, it's definitely Phoebe. I love podcasts. I love Paul Rudd. Um honestly, I I really liked Trevor's character. Like like I said earlier, his development from start to finish was probably better than anybody else um in uh in the movie, but McKenna Grace just carries it in a way that I was not expecting someone her age to carry it. And um, she she really has set the tone for uh, potential sequels. She has uh, opened the door for many more great opportunities um, as an actor. And I'm just I'm I'm super proud of her. And I don't even know her like she knocked it out of the park in this movie. She really did like, and she's, she's, I mean, she's doing a Harold Ramis impression. Like it's very, it's very much on the nose, but it's done so tastefully and done in a way that like, okay, this is, she is her grandfather's, you know, daughter. Like it's just, it's so good and she's so good at it. And um, yeah, I like, I'm down to see more of this character, like, and see her come back. She would be amazing. Well, and it's appropriate too, because like looks and talent often skip a generation so like it makes sense that she would have this resemblance and and this this keen for science like yeah it 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 like it has been known to skip generations before and, and that's something and it's something very sweet about her character that she like the whole point of this is that no one believed in egon egon was like the smartest one of all he knew it was going to happen. He sacrificed everything to save the world. And everyone was like, ah, crazy econ. She's like the first person to go like, well, if he did all this, he must have had a reason. And she investigates and figures it out. Like, that's, that's great. And I, and I love that what she investigates is very much in the vein of Scooby-Doo. Like, a lot, of, a lot of this. Exactly. She really did Scooby-Doo this crap. We don't have to wait for Spider-Man. We just need to watch Phoebe, which, okay, another quick sidebar. I did have trouble um, with the name Phoebe, mostly because I am a big fan of the show Friends. (laughs) 
And I was like, when is she going to whip out an acoustic guitar and start singing Smelly Cat? It never happened. So that's one of my biggest complaints about this movie. There was no Smelly Cat. There was no Smelly Cat. I'll tell you what. When it comes out on Blu-ray, you can come to my apartment. You can watch it next to my Smelly Cats. That works. What are you feeding them? It's not their fault. Um. So, it, okay, it's not my fault little Figaro decided he wanted to get into the spicy tamale husks. Ooh. Kind of. Kind of, kind of is your fault for leaving him where he could munch on. I them. didn't. I put him in the trash can in the cabinet, like in the cupboard thing that, like the closet. And I guess it didn't latch all the way. And this little butthead just decided to go in there, get in the trash can, pull him out. I love, I love the part of the story though when you told me that his meows sounded like regret. Oh, they did. I was, I, I was laying in bed, <laughs> and I heard my cat, like in the other room, going like. And I was like, oh my, what happened? Like, I was like, I honestly thought the Christmas tree fell on him. Like, that was my biggest fear. I thought I was going to go in the living room and I was going to see a cat squished by my Christmas tree. I know I'm here. It got run over by a Christmas tree. I can tree. confirm having a cat in the house is basically having like a two year old that will, that will try to kill himself. It will. Over and over. So, so uh, I'm already halfway through the story. So, last weekend we had tamales. I took some home. They were left over. There was a there. There was one of them that kind of had. It was like a hidden spice to it. Like it didn't smell spicy, um, but it just was spicy. Like it's hard to explain. It was like it just kind of snuck up on you. So, like when a fart is silent but deadly. Yes. So this was like spicy, but like silently spicy but deadly. So, like, I ate a couple of them. I was like, man, this hurts my stomach, like, really bad. I, I, really? I, I cleaned up uh, the, the corn husks and stuff and threw them in the trash. Um, and I woke up the next morning to my cat yelling in pain in the other room. And I'm like, oh, no. What did this little sack of fur get himself into? Thank you. So... <laughs> I, I go in there and I have this armchair and he's just on his side, like all fours, like stuck out. And he's like, Mew. and I'm like, buddy, what's wrong? And I look around the living room and I see these husks just thrown about my apartment. And then I started looking at them and he licked them all clean. <laughs> so I'm like, and, and, and like, I'm like, buddy, did you do this? And he looked at me, and those of you that have seen a picture of my cat, he has the foot, like the cutest eyes ever. They're like saucer eyes. And he looked at me with like the Puss in Boots eyes, and he let out like this small little like, you. And it was like kind of faint, and I knew what he had done. And I felt so much sympathy for this little cat. See, I would have felt none and been like, Ha ha, bitch, you get what comes to you. But it was just the regret, like you can tell. I would have been laughing my butt off. Oh, I was like, ha ha! Good thing the cat didn't die and become a ghost. Well, yeah, well, exactly. So, like, that was my biggest fear. So, like, all day at work, I'm like, I kept pulling up my security camera, like, can I hear the cat? Okay, the cat's alive. And I go home, and he's back to spry. Like, 
I was afraid to change the litter box, I'll be honest with you. Like, I was afraid it was going to be, like, the mask that Nibbler left in Futurama. Like, that's what I was afraid it was going to be. But I'm glad the cat's okay. Um, kind of like Chomper from the movie Ghostbusters Afterlife. You ever heard of it? Yes! everything. Yes, you know what? Okay, we're talking about characters. That's something that I loved. I loved how like, they're in a completely different region, so they can't have Slimer. Slimer would make no sense to the story. Right. Because because Slimer is a New York Knicks fan. He's not an Oklahoma City fan. You know, he's a fan of good basketball teams. So, like, he's not going to travel down to Oklahoma. Okay? So, they had to come up with, like, another kind of chonky ghost um, to kind of fill, like, that kind of comedic but kind of nuisance kind of thing. And they came up with Chomper. And I thought that Muncher. was awesome. What Muncher? Muncher. Muncher. I'm I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the Land Before Tom. Uh, and, it's, and it's funny. It's a testament to like I think that's good fan service. Not just like giving people what they expect, but also giving something new and giving Joey's kids something to latch onto and go like, "Hey, your daughters are going to remember in the future." Hey, I remember mm-hmm. Chomper. I remember. Muncher. Now you've screwed me up, man. <laughs> I want to remember Muncher. Like it gives something for them to be nostalgic about later. It's not just like recycling things. It's about bringing something new to the table. Um, I think Muncher is a great example of that. Well, and uh, you guys, I'm sure you've you've probably looked at stuff getting ready for the show and and recaps after watching the movie. But do you know who voiced Muncher? No, I didn't hear that. Oh, you didn't hear that. My my daughters figured it out, and I was like, "How did you figure that out?" Josh Gad. Oh my gosh, that actually makes a ton of sense. That really? does, it was Olaf. That's I mean, they, yeah, they grew up lo- loving Olaf, like Frozen and Frozen <laughs> Two were the okay. jam. Uh, yeah. But so they they were like, "That's that's Olaf. That's Josh Gad." And I was like, "Wow, oh. know that?" <laughs> well, you're you're right. On it. So, well, um, but day, I still don't understand the frozen hype. I wish people would just let it go. Uh, I mean, I, this uh, is like what the third third frozen mention now uh, on the show because I talked about uh Callie's uh Elsa moment where she changes to her dress like you know, perfect. Mm-hmm. perfect. <laughs> um people have been talking about their favorite characters. Um but before I tell you mine, I want to tell you something I thought that they did perfectly right. Paul Rudd's character does not overshadow the movie. Uh, Paul, Rudd, point. Paul Rudd is probably the biggest star in this film. Well, but until you get to the end. Right. right? Paul Rudd's probably the biggest star in the film. Mo- most relevant star in the film. I think that's probably a better term. Bobby Newport. Uh, <laughs> um that nobody that, that, that an awesome little dimwit <laughs> first name crap last name bag <laughs> <laughs> um but he doesn't overshadow and and i think that that's perfect and what i mean by that he enhances the film okay but i almost feel like you can replace his character with a different actor or a or a different person and it wouldn't take away a whole lot from the film because the film's not about him. 
You know, they could have they could have made his character stand out so much more, okay. but they didn't because the film is not about him. Like, okay. think about it. Earlier, some of us had trouble remembering his name in the film. Right. And, and I think that that's a testament of how good the writing was. Because, like I said, they could have completely just made him the center of attention, and they didn't. Um, Zach pointed this out in the theater, though. There was a funny Ant-Man nod in the film. Really? When, when he goes to Walmart to get the ice cream... He picks up the Baskin Robbins ice cream. Oh my god, I didn't catch that. That's where he worked. Oh, oh, Baskin Robbins always finds out. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, wow. Okay. And and, and of of all the ice cream, like, like, like that had to have been like on purpose. Like, there's no way that was on accident. Well, yeah, it's called product placement. Baskin Robbins. That's definitely product placement. They got a Funko Pop. There was so much product placement in that Walmart. I'm I'm telling you, like Walmart itself had to have had product placement for him to be walking he through a Walmart. You know, got the Hershey's chocolate bars. That was yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. So I love what they did there. I love how uh, I, I love how they how how they integrated that. But I I, I think I have to echo what. Zach said, and I think everybody else has said too. Uh, I, I think Phoebe was the star of this film. <clears throat> um, I, she was the one that stood out the most, um, but also because it, it, in a way, it was kind of a role reversal. Like instead of like the brother being the nerdy, the brainiac, you know, mm-hmm. the the adventure driven one, mm-hmm. um, it, it was it was the girl, and. And as somebody who has nieces, and, and Joey, this is kind of why I asked you the question earlier about. I got, ha- I got nieces too, and ankles. All right, guys, that's all we have time for. I think. Uh... <laughs> IPC's been canceled. <laughs> um, but that, that's why I asked because I, one thing that I'm really. Enjoying seeing. I know a lot of people. You know, they talk about things being shorthorned, and things being pushed on us, and, and stuff like that. When it comes to that agenda, but I think it's really cool that it that it's giving, especially little girls and and and, and girls in general, this idea that they can be something, that yeah. they can be the star, and they can be the hero. Um. And I think that that was really cool how the, how they did that. Um, it was very organic. It wasn't forced. Like they they, right. earn, they earned the payoff right. in in that regard. Right. I, 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 I agree. Um. So with with that being said, uh, I, I think an actor of her age nailed it. Uh, this was prob. I mean, I know she was in a Marvel film, had a small role, but this is pro- like it. This is probably the biggest role of her career. To be yeah. the, to be the main character center point of a beloved franchise. Like this was a sink or swim thing. Like I like honestly, if this movie had bombed, that would I mean, if, if this movie would have turned out awful, who who knows what we would be saying about Phoebe. But 
it didn't. And and she did awesome. She was wonderful. Um, the character development I thought was really cool. Uh, even to a point, you know, I kind of felt like at the end of the movie, her mom sort of not not that she hadn't accepted her intelligence before she did, but I felt like her her mom didn't like science because of what her dad did, right? right. So and I think towards her daughter. Yes. Right. And toward the end of the film, and, but the cool thing is, is that that didn't persuade Phoebe not to follow it. Like she's still like I, I think in a way that kind of drove her more. Right. Like she didn't necessarily need her mom's approval or her mom's recognition. She's like, this is what I want to follow. This is my passion. This is what I love to do. Even at such a young age, I'm going to continue to drive myself to do that. And she did. Um, and I think that that's a lot of really cool character growth through that. And at the end of the movie, you know, yes, there's that moment um, of sort of closure. But I, I feel like her mom also accepted her a little bit more and accepted her her scientific ability and and passion for that. So I, I think that there was a lot of growth there, too. I can see that. I, I can definitely see that. Um, and that, that that part, again, the characters, particularly Phoebe carrying it, but just the characters in general, um, really, really helping make this movie probably more, um, e- even more than what I was expecting it to be. I know I probably went in with the lowest expectations of anybody on this call, but overall, the, the characters really helped carry this one forward but i do think we need to dedicate a little bit of time talking about the return of certain characters Mm -hmm. during the point of a very particular poignant scene we've been on this call talking about this movie for uh, an hour and a half now i think it's finally time to talk about the the final sequence that scene the ghost in the room the ghost in the room the elephant in the room the elephant ghost whatever it may be um the the reassembling of the original ghostbusters coming into the farm in oklahoma to to help save the day the realization that it's not a farm it's actually a trap um it's it's it almost felt like the the end game of the ghostbusters franchise to a certain extent um it, it had really high stakes it had really, really great action. It had some suspense in there that made you wonder if they were actually going to be able to save the day based on what we saw in the opening sequence, based on you know the functionality of the equipment at certain points. Um, Joey, walk us through your first time seeing that scene, man. How, how did that, that, that fight uh, raise your blood pressure, and how did it make you feel when, 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 the, when the crew showed up on the scene? So the the first showing, uh, the 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 third act, and specifically this ending with the original Ghostbusters, I just I thought felt off, honestly, um, which is what I think led to me having such mixed feelings after seeing it. Um, but I think it's just just tough with the the older actors um, and and who they are. Just it just seemed a little awkward at times. Uh, I didn't love the lines they chose to to throw out. Um, but again, I, I just was overwhelmed that the next time I watched it, 
and was able to take in the the crowd's reaction the the friends and family that were there everything felt a lot smoother and i was i was very excited to see them together and i i found the lines a lot funnier now that the pressure was off um you know them him rehashing you know instead of doing city county and state of new york he talks about ducks unlimited and you know the invasive species act uh and you get the you're a god you know are you a god moment um honestly i think some of the the better performances from them are after they have the uh the streams uncrossed and they get tossed into the ecto um and you have you know peter yelling at at gozer um trying to distract her just like they do in ghostbusters 2 with vigo and hoping that um winston can can fire and 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 knock her down and and she combats that and uh, i think that that's I, i think that part got better as it went on but i mean it doesn't once once um phoebe distracts her or it goes or can be whatever it wants uh and we get the what what i refer to as the harry potter moment because that's what it reminds me of is harry versus voldemort when gozer is attacking phoebe and phoebe's you know fighting back and you can see her struggling and you know she can't keep her feet in the dirt and her the wand the, the neutrona blaster is is wobbling and then you know, you get you get the moment. Um, I, I just I was in such awe the first time when you see that hand. Yeah. Um, I just was shocked. I was like, oh, they're going there. This is this is happening. And I was a little nervous at first because I'm like, if they're showing the hand, they're showing more than that. And if they're showing more than that, this could go bad really quickly. Now, I'm not very critical of what we've seen in, in Star Wars. I think uh um, Carrie Fisher's, you know, the young princess Leia. I, I really enjoyed that same thing with Tarkin. Uh, I know other people talk about uncanny Valley or that they didn't think it was great. Uh, I thought rise of Skywalker, the, the de-aged, uh, you know, um, Luke and Leia was phenomenal as well. Uh, but Egon, man, whew, I thought they, they nailed Egon. I, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, and it's a, it's a little, it's not exactly apples to apples just because, you know, there's translucence there. There's the, the vibrance and color is different. You're, you're look, to be looking at a spectral form and you don't get any, any lines. So I think the way they went about doing it, I thought they, they, they nailed it. The body double is perfect. And then the digitization uh, of his face and the way they aged him to be uh, appropriate to this, you know, the contemporary time that, that we're in of how he would have looked had he been alive in 2021 um, just very well done. And then that entire scene was when when Phoebe and Egon walk over to the guys and they all kind of look at him in awe and just like, is this really happening? Um, th- that The entire theater when I was there the second time with my friends and family, everyone was crying. Like everyone had that emotional connection. And not everyone there was Ghostbuster fans. Some of them hadn't seen the movie ever. Some of them hadn't seen it in 20 years. Um, but everyone just understood the momentous occasion because it wasn't just an in-movie, in-universe thing. It was also the the real-life ramifications of the falling out between uh, specifically Bill Murray and Harold Ramis that lasted for, for decades. Uh, you could see that this was kind of a, a moment for real-life people, the actual people behind these actors, to kind of get closure you weren't just getting closure in the movie for the spangler family and and the original ghostbusters you were getting closure from you know from dan Aykroyd, 
uh, Winston, uh, excuse, excuse me, Ernie Hudson, and especially Bill Murray, because that was the big one yep. um, that was always hanging out there. That they had this huge falling out, and they they reconciled on on Harold's, you know, near the end of his uh, his real life uh, uh, coming to a close. But Ghostbusters was what the four of them were, were were known for for such a long time. Some of them, that's the biggest thing they've ever done. So it was just amazing how I just think they they nailed that part of it. The emotional crescendo that that this movie ends with is just phenomenal and then you get the the in-movie version of it where you have you know he he talks well not talks he interacts with trevor he interacts with phoebe and then he gets to interact with his daughter who just you know 20 minutes ago realized that he basically abandoned them to save them and you see and i refer to it as uh the the simpsons moment where the pictures are on the wall and she sees it. And if, if you've seen the Simpson, there's this uh, really good episode oh, the, of why are the there no pictures of Maggie do Simpson? It for her? Yeah. Do it for her. I mean, that's uh, all the pictures of Maggie Simpson's cover up the sign that Mr. Burns hangs up that says, don't forget you're here forever or something like that. And Homer hangs up pictures of Maggie that changes the words to do it for her. And that's exactly what I thought of when, you see those pictures when Callie realizes what happens before she gets possessed yeah. by Zool. Um, yeah. And then she gets to hug him at the end. And you know, that, that signals his time is over. And then they have that, uh, for Harold moment. Like it, it just, the, the, the end was so well done at first. It was hard for me to process, but now I've, now that every time I watch it, I'm, I'm incredibly emotional and I can't think of a better way for them to, to end, uh, at least the original Ghostbusters involvement in this franchise. It, they really did a wonderful job. I think with that, I think again, it's like, you can call it fan service. You can call it, you know, Oh, they didn't need to have the original Ghostbusters showing up, but I think they did. And I think from a out from a interview universe perspective, they, they made it make sense and it still didn't overshadow Phoebe and her story. And from an out of universe perspective, it it made sense to give these characters some closure, give people something they've wanted for so long, which is those four characters back together. And if I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that Harold Ramis was still around. Like they, I think they did such a phenomenal job of making him. I think maybe, maybe it's the fact that they used restraint that he didn't speak. That he was kind of just in passing. You could kind of see him out of focus, off to the background. Um, it was only a couple shots where you really saw him full on. Um, whereas Star Wars is more like, let's do everything, and they speak and do all this stuff, and and you're supposed to, you know. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, like, I think it was phenomenal what they did. There was a, a, an immense amount of respect done um, because I, I believe something like the third or fourth person to ever read the script or the the mock up when this was the when production on this started years ago was Harold Ramis's daughter, Violet Ramis Steele, uh, who's written a book called Ghostbusters Daughter. It's an, it's an incredible book to hear about the life wow. of her with her, her, her father. Uh, but she was brought in multiple times to, you know, essentially work on the movie. Like, how can we pay homage and respect your, your father and your family while, while putting this out there, you know, making this form of entertainment, telling this story? So she was involved with create essentially creating the spectral figure of her father because there were different mock-ups and she was brought in as which do you think looks the best? Which do you think is how your father would look? Which one do you like? Uh, there's pictures coming out now of her wearing the Spengler proton pack, the, the one used in the movie. 
she was a resource for the creation of of her father and i think that's basically the only way you could have done it respectfully and they they nailed it uh, jason reitman and gil uh Cannon, the, his, his co-writer um and then all the, all the producers everything was done to perfection and i think you can see um all that effort put forth um really shows in that in that third act that really huge emotional moment you know joey mentioned that end scene has more ramification than just Ghostbusters. I mentioned I'm from Chicago. Um, and Harold Ramis, Chicago. Bill Murray, Chicago. Yeah. I grew up watching those two in comedy films. That was kind of my entry into comedy. Yeah. You know, um, Harold Ramis was a part of Groundhog Day, Stripes. Heavy metal. He, he was the sale, the car salesman in National Lampoon Vacation, um, a Chevy Chase movie, which is part of that 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 group of, of comedians that were really big with each other. Um, so this film gave me one more opportunity to see Bill Murray and 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 and, and Harold at the same time again. Um, and that's why it hit me so hard. Um, and, and you're right; they they did do it awesome. Uh, and it was it was closure. I don't think people realized they wanted. And I think it's it was a moment that people didn't expect that would hit them so hard. Um, but you know, we we started this show off a little bit talking about how the film was for nostalgic 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds. And if you're in that age, then you had probably seen movies like Groundhog Day, Stripes, Harold Ramis's previous works. You grew up knowing who he was, you know. And I, I think you didn't necessarily think it would hit you, but it did, and I think that's why. Um... And, and, you know, everyone tried, you know, he didn't have any lines, um, which they, they used restraint. That was, that was Ben's word. And it's a really good word to use there. They could have went all in. They could have went proton pack first, um, uh, into this thing and they didn't. Uh, and I think because of that, it kept it tasteful. Um, and, you know, we've talked about how this is the Jurassic world of the Ghostbusters franchise. That was one of the most masterful ways to take a franchise that was bridging past and future together and basically, you know, taking the hands and kind of moving it along. That was a masterful send off. It was like a passing of the baton of sorts. Passing of the proton pack. That, that that gives you closure from one part of the franchise mm -hmm. while simultaneously giving you hope and interest for the future of the franchise. There are very few, and I, and I said this at the top of the program, there are very few franchises that can successfully do that. And honestly, going into this movie, I was not expecting Ghostbusters to do it well. And 
in my opinion, they've probably done it better than most within the last five to ten years. Yeah. Now, with that, were we all a little skeptical, maybe, of what this movie was going to be because of the previous one? The one that doesn't exist. <laughs> the and, one that the one that shall not be named. <laughs> and I mean, I know it exists. And I don't mean that we're forgetting it, but I mean the one that doesn't exist in the in in the in, in the canonical no, sense. No, it, it it doesn't exist. They're, they're... I, think, I think this. I think this movie illustrates why. And look, I, I I say this as someone like I thought that movie was all right. I you know I I don't think there was anything like glaringly like wrong with it. I think there was a, obviously a lot of different stuff going on, fan reaction stuff like that, messy. But overall, I think it was a, a fairly solid movie. But I think it was miss part of it was missing was like a continuation, a kind of a passing of the torch of a. And I understand why you want to do that i understand like from that perspective from the paul feig movie was like well if you if you have the original ghostbusters exist in that universe then all these new women coming up they can't discover this stuff they're just gonna be passing getting this stuff i think this movie does it right i think this movie does it perfectly in a way that allows mckenna grace's character to take up that mantle be the new hero and be this very intelligent person and discover all this new stuff while still taking that torch from her grandfather and moving forward and having all these new kids do this and do new things and new stuff and discover new things and still paying homage and, and giving people what they really wanted which was a true sequel to the original movies while also creating a whole new franchise. Yeah. That's the biggest drawback of 2016. And when we discussed it a little over a year ago on this show, that's my, that was the, biggest negative going in it's the biggest negative to me coming out of 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 answer the call back in 2016 this is great i enjoyed that it's you know it's ghostbusters it's a little bit different they changed it um the actors were, were phenomenal the story was interesting but it has no connection to the originals and that's what the fans have been asking for we're not asking for you to bring ghostbusters back just in name we're asking you to bring the ghostbusters back and that's what this movie eventually did uh, even if it was just a little bit at the end uh, i i w- didn't have a lot of trepidation going into this because of J- it being jason reitman because i think he had a lot going for him one obviously the son of ivan reitman the original director and someone that's had his hand in ghostbusters for decades he's jason's been around it he knows what ghostbusters is and also because jason is coming from you know kind of this like quasi independent type he, that's the, the writer and producer and creator that Jason Reitman is, is not Ghostbusters. And sometimes that's what a franchise needs is someone with a different perspective to come in. And I, I think some people actually were nervous about that because they're like, oh, he's going to make it not Ghostbusters. No, he made it very Ghostbusters, but he mm-hmm. did it on his own way. Yeah. And he set it up maybe in the way you'd expect because that was kind of my thing. I thought the first two acts of the movie felt very Jason Reitman to me that it was a little bit slower pace and it was very deliberate in what it was doing. It didn't rely on, on, um, on the original guys initially, but then he brought it to a head in, in the third act and things changed and, and felt a little less Jason Reitman like, but the, what the movie needed to be. Um, I, I think, it, I think it worked. I think it worked beautifully. Well, and you're absolutely right. And I think, you mentioned something that I that I thought of when I first watched the film is yes, they bring the original Ghostbusters back, 
but they brought them in in a way that they were needed. They weren't like shoehorned in there. You know, you think you have these this band of four almost misfit kids from one another who have stumbled upon all this equipment, all of this stuff that they've only heard about in YouTube videos recently, right? They don't know how to handle a lot of this stuff. Um, they have an idea and they're trying, but they just don't have a, enough experience and enough knowledge and, and, and even enough firepower there at the very end. <clears throat> so for the original Ghostbusters to step in, I felt like it was necessary and it made sense storytelling wise. Well, and even better yet, they don't have them save the day. It still ends up being your new characters. It still ends up being Phoebe with, you know, a spectral assist from her grandfather to, to, to steady things. And then, but all the new characters then come back in, you know, you have podcasts and, and, and Trevor, they fix the, uh, the gunner seat proton pack and he's able to be, Oh, Hey, yeah. My sister said, if I fire enough energy into this thing, it'll help all the traps set off. You know, he uses all that. Everyone comes together to, to do it together. But in the at the end of the day, it wasn't the original Ghostbusters coming to save the day. They're there to help, but they're not the overwhelming presence. It still relies on this new set of characters. So I think they just A plus for execution. Yeah. Well, if we're going to be giving grades, I guess it's time to move into that segment uh, where we do not letter grades, but um, planet, planet scores. Um, there's, a, there's actually a review that came in from Pete's Ultimate Movie Reviews. I've never heard of them. They're joining uh, IPC for the first time tonight, I believe. And it's a, it's a very simple but elegant message saying, Ghostbusters Afterlife put the biggest grin on my face the whole time especially the third act felt like an 80 Spielberg film and felt just like the OG Reitman's 84 and 89 Ghostbusters one and two. Very similar to the review that I gave on Facebook. And I think I'll stick to my review, but I'm going to go around the horn and, uh, and get everybody else's planet scores first. Mondo, what would you give this movie out of 10 planets? I give it a nine, nine planets out of 10. What's your reasoning? So I never like to give anything a perfect score. Because I feel like if you give something a perfect score, then there's no way for it to improve. Um, Joey said on the start of the show, you can nitpick a few things. You can nitpick things about anything. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think nine is extremely solid. Uh, it is It is going to be likely in my top three of films watched this year. Okay. Um I obviously we haven't seen We haven't movie. seen Spider Man yet. But I but I, I think it all it goes without saying. I think a lot of us are expecting it to be way up there. Um and it, you know in, in a in a year where we've got Spider Man, there's been a couple other Marvel films that have come out. Um for 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 this film, for Ghostbusters film <clears throat> excuse me. To kind of yes, it's late. We get it. <laughs> Quit looking at your watch. Well, no, it's going off. I was getting a bunch of tech notifications. <laughs> Look <sorry>. at Ben. <laughs> uh, uh, Finish it up. Let's go. In a world, in a year full of a bunch of Marvel films and 
other Disney films to come out for a Ghostbusters film for me to even say is going to wind up in my top three. Yeah. I think that's a lot of praise. That, that is for, for somebody with an AMC A-list subscription that watches quite a few movies per year uh, to be on the podium is actually pretty, pretty high praise. Uh, ben, how about you? Yeah. So like I was saying earlier, I really enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and like it was the first half of the movie kind of like, okay, I was kind of like, okay, what, what, what are we doing here? I think that was all chucked up to, I think I kind of figured out the movie. I kind of figured out, Hey, okay. It's, it's Phoebe, Phoebe. She's granddaughter. Um, she's, she's Egon's granddaughter. Clearly, um, they're going to get the band back together and this is all going to happen. And I was kind of like, okay, I've, I figured it out when's the stuff's going to happen. Um, but I think the ending was well worth the way. I think specifically, we didn't talk a, lot, talk a lot about it, but like the chase through the town, trying to get uh muncher um, mm. and all that stuff. And the introduction of the gunner seat and the whole portable RC yeah. uh, ghost trap brilliant stuff like a brilliant like just upping the ante and like you know building on the mythology of the established go bus ghostbusters and what what happened to them and you know okay what would actually be if they kept going what other gadgets would they have if there was a third movie now we got the third movie it's great so i think they did a really great job of just filling this out expanding the story expanding the universe also going backwards giving us the nostalgia and the feels giving us a very personal story giving us a story that i think as you said joey earlier like people that hadn't really weren't familiar with ghostbusters or hadn't seen ghostbusters were still like tearing up in the theater i think that's that's the mark of a great film is when you can watch a film just completely by itself and still get a full story and have an emotional reaction my my whole case has always been like movies we try to break them down and go like oh it's this variable this very movies are an emotional experience it's how you it affects you in your heart and this movie tugs at the heartstrings it practically ripped some of mine out okay i'm just being honest um and it's it's a heck of a movie and you know there there it's it, it builds and builds and builds and i think it there it's thrilling it's funny and it's also a heck of a lot of heart to it. So, yeah, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. All right. Joey, you're up, sir. So if you held a proton pack to my head on Thursday night leaving my first showing, honestly, I might have been sitting at a 7 uh, oh. at that <laughs> time because I just had so many emotions going through me, going through uh, my body and my, my mind. It was just swimming and I just I couldn't fathom that I had just seen this and I you know not having an emotional reaction on that first viewing I was just super confused and frustrated uh, and it was looked I was happy that I already knew I was going back two days later to see it um, and then things were completely different that second time and then this this third time I felt the same as the second time so I'm I'm confident in where I'm going with my planets for now uh, when we talked about Ghostbusters, the original you know, 1984 version back in, I think it was August 2020 on this show, I talked a lot about the iconography of, of Ghostbusters and how important it was. And I wanted to see that in this film. And, and you know, they nailed it. The, the flight suits, the proton packs, uh, the, uh, the Ecto. I could watch the Ecto driving through wheat fields on loop for hours. Um, 
you know, Ben, you mentioned they, they, they have the RTV trap, you know, they have the original stuff, but they tweaked it enough to make it fun and interesting. And you got to see at the beginning of the film, which we didn't even talk about how Egon's the first thing you see at the beginning. Now they allude to it. You don't see it directly. Um, but you see Egon being chased by a terror dog and he pulls out the new or the updated PKE meter, which can now shock things and people, you know, they, they, they brought all of that stuff that you're familiar with from the first few films and they, they made improvements on, but they still made sure to show you, this is still what you, you knew and loved from over 35 years ago. Um, so that was a, a huge part of it. And then the emotional payoff at the end, the way they, handled it so well bringing the original guys back and then having having egon be the you know the thread throughout the entire film from the beginning through so many of the characters developments specifically phoebe and callie and then having him come back to help eliminate gozer once and for all you know because that didn't happen in the first movie gozer Mm. disappeared It, it went away and they destroyed right. the marshmallow man, but that's just the manifestation. That wasn't Gozer, which I think people don't understand. They're like, how did this? How did this uh, ghost even come back? Well, because it just disappeared. They didn't get rid of it. It just left the dimension, and uh, brought back a huge marshmallow, and they beat that. But that was it. Um, I I couldn't have asked for much more, you know. And I, ta- I started at the beginning of the show talking about how I could nitpick a few things. And we talked about them. There's some of the dialogue that I wasn't super happy about. Um, and just a few minor things here and there when it's all said and done. So um, I loved what, what Mondo said about it's tough to give movies. You don't want to give anything a perfect because where do you go from there? So I'm not giving this a 10 as much as I would love to say this is a 10. Uh, I fully enjoyed the movie. I cannot wait to see it again. I'm hopeful to see it one or two more times in the theater before it leaves. Uh, but I, I'm in complete sync with Mondo. I'm going with a nine. All right. Well, I'm I'm basically just going to reread um, the little brief synopsis I gave on initial impressions uh, when the credits started rolling from the theaters when I saw it back on November 18th. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the Ghostbusters franchise, but Afterlife was so incredibly satisfying. Humor, heart, action, CGI, timing, great casting, and a grand finale. They hit on all of those in different ways that were unique and creative and entertaining. And it was one of those films that I didn't feel like I wasted my time two hours later, you know? I go to the movies to experience something and I got to experience uh, a type of nostalgia that I didn't know I had. I got to experience humor. I got to experience young and up and coming actors like Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace. And I got to see established actors like uh, Bill Murray and uh, Paul Rudd. Like this movie really does have a little bit of everything in it. It's got a little bit of romance. It's got a little bit of classic Friends adventures like the Goonies. Uh, It's got some of that uh, Scooby-Doo mystery solving. It's got some of the the classic Ghostbusters Easter eggs and elements and tropes. But it puts a new age spin on it in a new location, giving you a fresh start in a place like rural Oklahoma. They, They got to experiment with so much, figure out what works and what doesn't, and 
it's going to set the stage for the sequels and how they're going to be made. And so um, I feel like it, it's a great continuation of the franchise and probably the most fun I've had watching any of the Ghostbusters movies. It just it hit a lot of the right notes. Not all of them. Uh, I, I feel like some of the stuff with Spangler at the end was a little drawn out. I, I still have a hard time justifying being able to hug a specter. Um, th- there's, there's just certain nitpicks like what Joey's got that I'm just like, eh. but I can't let the episode conclude without talking about one of my favorite things and one of my friend Sergio's favorite elements of this movie. And that is the, um, the, the post-credit scenes giving their just desserts to Ernie Hudson's character, Winston. Out of all of the characters that we see in the Ghostbusters crew, um, if you if you read some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened to Hudson, he kind of got the short end of the stick during production of the first two movies, particularly the first one. And uh, it was rather disrespectful to him as an actor and rather disrespectful um, to his character. And they made up for it by making him probably the most successful out of the Ghostbusters crew, having the big corporation that he does, uh, being a, a successful businessman who purchases the firehouse for purely nostalgic purposes. Like, he doesn't need it for business, but he bought it because he wanted to buy it. And so to, to make him a success... I think is a great tribute to a really great actor in Hudson and gives a, a really great full circle of Winston's character. And I, I respected the intentionality that this movie put into his character and all the characters. Um, so I am probably more in line with Ben than I am with, with Mondo and Joey, but I think it's interesting that we had four reviews, two of them with nines, and two of them 8.5s, because that's what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an 8.5. I thoroughly enjoyed this film, and the fun that I had greatly outweighs any nitpicks that I might have. Absolutely. So there you have it. That is our official review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, almost Definitive review. Nobody almost, else needs to review this movie. Two hours later... Um, the review's about as long as the movie itself is, but that's okay. <laughs> we had fun talking about it, and it was especially fun having Joey, the the Ghostbusters aficionado, uh, back on the program with us. I know it's after midnight out there by you, dude. Thank you for sticking with us this late and, and being a part of this discussion. It's uh, always fun having you on the show. Yeah, well, I always love to be invited on, and I know uh, I've been asked a few times, and I unfortunately can't make it work for my schedule, but I couldn't sure. miss this one for, for Ghostbusters. I was been bugging no you for, you know, pro- well, now it's almost three years, you know, when they announced the uh, afterlife in January, 2019, I immediately said, you, you guys got to do a Ghostbusters arc. You got to You got to do it. And uh, we got to it in uh, August, of 20, end of July or August, 2020. And I got to talk to you about the original and I talked to you about answer the call. I, I missed the Ghostbusters two discussion um, but I was glad to be invited back to talk about Afterlife. And I've been looking forward to this movie for 
so incredibly long and uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that it was worth the wait all the uh the false starts that happened throughout the 90s and early 2000s and even the early 2010s um i i don't know that we would have gotten th this type of movie this movie that so many people thoroughly uh, enjoy uh, some of the other ones sound fun and interesting on paper, but I don't know that they would have delivered quite the way this one did. So it was definitely worth the 32 year wait. And I, I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Oh, of course. And, uh, purely by a lot of different coincidences and happenstances. Um, but we actually got Mondo back on a headset podcasting for the first time in, uh, you know, uh, several months and probably the, the, probably the longest conversation you've had about a, a movie or a franchise uh, since the old, uh, since the old star Wars wastelands days. Great to have you back on the headset, man. It's nice to be inside the headset. Um, uh, it, it's nice at keeping my ears kind of warm, which is really good. My house isn't that cold. Is it? No, it's not. Um, it actually, it's actually super comfortable. Like if there wasn't a camera here and there would, I would probably take my shirt off. I'm just being honest. Uh, um, but I, I, they puffed. It would be a thing. I don't want to do that. People be like, oh, they've got the guy. Um, but I don't want to be like, like that. But, um, no, it's good. it was nice to be on here. I, um, uh, I, I'm honored to have been a guest on the show. Uh, look forward to future appearances um hint hint um i think uh there's a pretty there's a pretty cool one coming up here soon there is um and uh so i'm looking forward to that as well so this was kind of a cool way to kind of ease my way back into it for that but mm -hmm. uh thank you both zach benjamin for uh having me on this evening joey it was nice to finally talk to you after accidentally stalking you <laughs> uh <laughs> that's how friendships are formed it is <laughs> um right, jesse, all the best ones start that way uh jesse uh Thank you for putting up with my shenanigans. <laughs> I've had absolutely no disrespect about Oklahoma. Oh, I totally did. If I'm ever on the land from the police, that is probably where I'm going to go because I'm sure they don't want to go there either. Um, either that or Ohio. Something about Ohio. I've got friends in Ohio. You could totally hide there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all kidding aside. Um, it's been fun. <laughs> it has indeed. Um, ben, should we go ahead and make the announcement now? We've kind of we've I kind think, of been alluding to I it. I think I think I I kind of may let it slip earlier, and then we've kind of been leading on. And well, you know, really... I think it's like their next episode, so may as well drop yeah. it now. I didn't realize that was a secret. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> not a very well kept secret. Obviously, like if this was a ship, the loose lips would have sunk it hours ago. Because I've been flat out, just just laid it all out there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's it's, it's a thing. So, well, we 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 had kind of hinted at it during our our last episode's barbecue segment that there may be an upcoming in person segment, and uh, there will indeed. 
we have we have made arrangements. I mentioned earlier that I'm I'm getting ready to graduate, and we're going to go down to the Florida Panhandle to to celebrate that uh, upcoming graduation. And the Mississippi Gulf Coast just happens to be somewhere between uh, Texas and Florida, so uh, we're going to be making a road trip in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, it'll just happen to coincide with a certain Friday night when a certain podcast is supposed to be airing, and so. Um, we may not have work out sometimes, right? We may not have a very good barbecue segment for you guys tonight. We're about to go eat a pot roast. I don't know if that counts. Um, we may not have much in the way of a barbecue segment tonight, but I can promise you there will be live in-person reviews of barbecue happening on the next episode from Pascagoula, Mississippi with that guy right over there, Mr. Ben Hart. And, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to need to make sure that we bring, uh, plenty of uh, doggy bags to take with us to Florida because uh, I, I swear to God, those are the best ribs I've ever had in my life. It's been six years. Can you believe that, Ben? I haven't, I haven't been to Mississippi in six years. That is, that's the fact that that was when The Force Awakens was coming out, again, for bringing it back around. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that that movie came out six years ago, and the fact that you right. were here six years ago, Right. And then I haven't seen you in like two years. So. Yeah, that that's a thing. That's a thing. It, <sighs> it's it's been it's been crazy since uh, Rise of Skywalker, but uh, we're finally returning to normal I, a little bit. Thing, I have seen Joey since I've seen you two. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, yep. Oh, you saw God. Joey more recently than you've seen the two of us, but we're about to fix that in two weeks' time. So there may not be barbecue tonight, but there will be plenty of barbecue to be eaten and discussed on uh, the next episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Uh, a live and in-person episode is always really, really fun. We're going to try and bring some of this equipment to try and make things a little bit easier and uh, just a little bit more fun. So be on the lookout for that. And be ready to talk about the five movies you are most excited for in 2022. That is going to be our next discussion topic. We usually bring it up in January of 2022, but we wanted to talk about it a little bit early because somebody didn't get Thursday night tickets to see Spider-Man. I know, I know. I have this little, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the barbecue that gets in the way sometimes. He's got this little um, thing called a job, a life. I just, I, just, I, I am... I am eternally fascinated by the fact that we haven't done this specific top five segment in like two years. Yeah. We did it. it we did the top five most anticipated films of 2020. And then Afterlife was on it. And then <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife was on it. And then like we saw none of those movies in 2020 or Basically. some in 2021. So uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, We didn't feel like doing it this year because for obvious reasons, but now we can do it now. It's kind of safe to do that now. Well, we're excited to be making a road trip, excited to be seeing you, Ben, and uh, just excited for what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks here on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. It's actually probably going to be our uh, final episode of 2021 because there will be like holidays and stuff happening in the ensuing weeks. And we're going to be busy doing that. Um, 
unless you want to do an episode on New Year's Eve and we ring in the new year on a live podcast, but I think we'll probably all be at different parties and stuff, likely. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that that may be our final episode. Like, of the- I feel like some of us might be too inebriated to uh, to properly podcast. Just an idea. Hey, I resemble that remark, good sir. Just saying. But, but yeah, that'll that'll be a great way to kind of finish off the year is doing a live and in-person episode, talking about the movies we're excited for for the next year, and just uh, shooting the breeze and uh, chewing the fat, literally. So uh, yeah. where, where can the folks at home keep up with everybody as we get ready to close? Joey, if people want to find uh, any of your other content, where can they go and what should they listen for? So if you're interested in anything that I do in the podcast realm, uh, you can check me out at jmnjrradio.com. I have a, a sports – I have two different sports shows. One's for a local high school football team that, uh, you, that I'm doing my best Zach impersonation. I'm not announcing games, but I'm talking about them after the fact. Uh, then a main, my main show with my buddy Dustin, uh, we do uh, – we're coming back this Sunday night to talk uh, – uh, NFL, and then I do a pop culture podcast very randomly, you know, no set schedule with uh, my buddies Brian and Brent, where we just did our latest episode discussing Ghostbusters Afterlife, of course, because I want to talk about it as much as as often as possible. So, yeah, sure. if you're interested in any of that, check out jmnjrradio.com. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he hasn't started a tour yet but uh, as he's mentioned a couple of times tonight this guy is a comedian over here if you want to keep up with his funny stuff it's at mondo d on facebook right mondo d comedy mondo d comedy see i knew there was something because if you just type in mondo d uh in google you're you're not gonna find him you're you're gonna you're gonna end up on pornhub i swear you, you are uh, how, okay now okay since you just ripped that band-aid off <laughs> so you know how spotify has spotify wrapped at the end of each year mm-hmm. what if pornhub did that oh god no 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 i feel like we're gonna get demonetized here if you keep <laughs> the discussion going no. Nope, I'm done. Demondo ties is what we're about to be in a minute here. But yeah, you can find me at Mondo D Comedy. I'm on Facebook. Um, and there's a. I haven't uh, started. I haven't had one in a while because of the Delta variant kind of kicked up. And now Omicron. And yeah, Omicron Percy I ate. Um, they're just messing with it. guys. They're just messing with us. They they straight up named it off of something off of Futurama. Um. Oh, I thought it was Star Trek. Well, I mean, it might be, but Omicron per CIA. Um, so, uh, but there's a couple videos on there. You can watch my my last show from this past summer um, and a couple other cool things and might have some content dropping soon. So uh, look out for that. Excited. Uh, love making people laugh. Plenty of those happen tonight. So if Mondo made you laugh tonight, then uh, go go allow him to make you laugh on other days of the week, please. Uh, as for me, you can find me at Zach, the voice on all different platforms. Z a C H the voice. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, Venmo, um, <laughs> just about every, every possible major social media platform. It's Z a C H the voice. Be sure to check out the different T public pages. We got here. You can find a mother conductor's shirt at the T public page for fandom empire. You can also find various IPC swag at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. There have been a lot of like Cyber Monday and Cyber Week sales that have been happening recently, so be sure to check them out. 
and see if there are some things that are still 30% off. I think there are, but I'll have to double check. But yeah, go check out Public and support Phantom Empire and uh, IPC in more ways than just views. But we do appreciate you viewing tonight and being a part of this show. Ben, where can the folks at home keep up with you? Well, they can find me at Ben Hart with no E on social media. As you mentioned off the top, I've had a completely boring and, and just nothing going on type of week. Um, no, no big deal, just a near-death experience. You can go uh, see all about that on the thing. Um, and just on a very serious note, been feeling the love lately. And uh, you guys that have been sending messages of support and uh, love, it's been met. And uh, thank you guys so, so much. Um, and yeah, um, you can also follow me at the Star Wars Underworld and at Culture Slate and then all the other stuff that's happening. Everything else. But uh, yeah, I have another podcast that I haven't had a chance to do in like uh, two months. But, uh, I promise it's not dead. Okay, I promise. I promise it will. It will make a triumphant return. Maybe soon. Maybe, maybe, maybe very soon. Maybe he'll do two podcasts in one night in a couple of weeks. We'll just finish one and jump right into another before we hit you the road again. Know. You never know what's going to happen here on the IPC podcast. But uh, on on one more quick serious note, we want to extend our well wishes to our producer and the host of Phantom Empire, uh, Sean. We We got word right before the broadcast aired that his best friend, Tucker, his uh, his faithful companion is not doing so well right now and so if the stream continues for a little bit longer it's because he's tending to family and just wasn't able to hop downstairs to to end the stream uh right away but our best wishes to him and his family right now i know what it's like to to lose uh, a companion that's that close to you that you've had for that long so um obviously that's where the priorities go right now and uh if you see us just kind of dropping out of the studio that means the show's over folks and we'll see you in a couple weeks' time. Mondo and I will be in person again, and hopefully we'll be sharing a screen with the guy over there uh, across from us. And uh, hopefully Joey will be in the chat or wherever he is, uh, be able to tune in or, or help out. And we hope that you guys and girls and whatever you want to identify as will be tuning in, in two weeks here on Phantom Empire for another awesome edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. But for Joey... For Mondo and for Ben, I'm Zach. Thank you for tuning in. We'll hope to see you all next time. But until then, good night, everyone.
Better call. 